I wear this? Is this the right way? <laughs> All right. Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah. There I am. Hmm. I do sound odd. I realized that before. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Should have known that. No, it is like it is weird Like when you first hear your own voice. That's kind of where I'm at, It's man. really strange when you start to hear it. You're like, huh? I didn't realize I had a lisp. You have a lisp? I didn't realize that until I heard myself on uh, on Chris's podcast. I was like, why are my S's sound so weird? <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? I don't hear it, though. Uh, maybe I'm just... <laughs> maybe, just, maybe, I'm making, right maybe I'm making it up. <laughs> we'll work on we'll work on catching it. We'll see. You guys are going to be like, oh, there, there it is. <laughs> be in the middle of something. <laughs> this fucking guy over here. Oh, Think about all those people you beat up too over the years. <laughs> I don't have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck, man, they were right. I don't care what you say. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. All those squats. Yeah, they they knew all about it. That was a pretty good workout we got in this morning, huh? That was great. That was uh, unlike anything I've ever done. We were here about 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like a diesel engine. It takes me a while to get warm. I don't have this young, supple tissue like this guy, so I'm, I'm warming up. And Mark just walks in the gym, and he's like, let's start lifting. <laughs> Rack gets loaded, and we're like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> it's great. Four though. plates it is. Yeah, we are just going at it. It was fun. Yeah, we did some, uh, did some back stuff, but you guys worked out yesterday. Right when you came in, right? Yeah, we uh, we landed, and uh, Chris was like, what do you guys want to do? You want to eat? You want to train? We're like, no, let's, let's go hit super training, man. Strongest gym in the West. Let's go get after it. So uh, we came in and uh, just kind of uh, on the airplane, actually, we were just kind of writing out all the movements that we wanted to hit. And uh, we're like, all right, we'll kind of start programming them up. And uh, Andrew jumped in with us. And, yeah, we got got a couple little um, just a couple little little things in. It was kind of nice. Got yeah. a, he got an EMOM, got a little AMRAP in, and then did a little uh, 2159 complex, kind of oh. going down, going up. And it was, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 2159, I think of anything, is really, really hard. It is. I mean, you could pick the most, you pick the simplest exercises, and it gets to be hard fast. Yeah. And uh, the thing with, the thing when you do some of those movements, too, is it doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in. Um, it doesn't matter if you're an absolute savage. It doesn't matter if you're completely out of shape because the better shape you get in, the more intensity you bring to the lift or the exercise or the movement. And so it just smokes you that much harder. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, there's it's no tough. hiding from it. You know? Wow. Um, yeah, it was fun. It's been great. It's been great out here training. It's a great environment, great atmosphere. Pretty easy to work hard in a gym where everybody's getting after it, you know. You guys, have you guys been uh, lifting together your whole life? So how does that work? You know, you guys are brothers and... Well, I, I you guys was, wrestle and beat the shit out of each other and lift uh, and stuff like that together, or what's the deal? A lot of that. I would say that, like, I always wanted to kind of chase him and emulate what he was doing, and we had a little bit of an age gap between us, so I never really got to train with him until recently, but he had always kind of tried to train me and, and push me in, in that way, training for football or baseball or whatever the sport was, so I kind of learned a lot from him in that way. I remember when he was, uh, gosh, he was like 14 years old, and I was playing football, and he was kind of getting into football, and he came to me, he's like, hey, I want to I start lifting, I want to start training. I bet I still have the original picture we took of you. And so we just started, I mean, he just started going, doing all the same stuff I was doing, and he's naturally extremely lean. You know, he's just a lankier, leaner guy. And I remember the hardest thing for him was just keeping up on eating. Yeah. You know, when he was, when he, mm -hmm. and, but the thing that's crazy about him is he's really conditioned to 
eat like he knows how to eat like if it's if it's time to put food down like you know because even at a young age he was like i'm not hungry anymore <laughs> i don't want to eat anymore i'm like well that's a shame because here's yeah. a here's a protein shake yeah I mean, and fifth like he like to this day he, he can't he can't really eat eggs yeah, eggs are eggs are hard for me to eat because man, that summer you were like, "Hey man, we're gonna get a training <laughs> session in. We're gonna go do some hand-eye coordination, some ball work." And you know what? Last night's leftovers all you. Yeah, and eggs. we eat last yeah, night's eggs, leftovers, man. and then scramble you know, it up. Well, it wasn't even just that. It was like I remember eating like three New Yorks and some, you know, some potatoes. And he was like, "How was that? Pretty good." And he goes, "How about how about eight raw eggs? How about that?" Yeah, I would just, we drink, just drink those, and I would drink that, and then I'd go yak it up. He's like, "Ah, looks like you gotta drink it again." Yeah. So, <laughs> so now you're scarred because yeah. Of all the eggs. So That's, I mean, I got to eat eggs because I know the nutritional value was high, but I'm not really enjoying. Sorry, it. I shouldn't have tried to bring you to breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we so we trained together. Um, I, I mean, I kind of put him through a lot of just like you know, bro stuff that I didn't really know what we were doing, but we were probably getting good work in. I mean, we were kind of we were running hills and we were doing kind of yeah. you know entry level. How did you find out about fitness and lifting and stuff? Um. Well, both of our parents are really active. Our dad was a kind of a, he was a college football player. He was a, he ran track in college. He was a pole vaulter. Um, he went to school for exercise physiology. Um, our mom to this day is still a personal trainer. She's a, she's done, you know, group fitness stuff. She does personal training stuff. So our families, we've, we've been involved in fitness um, our whole lives. We were really blessed. Um, our, our parents have a, there's like a, a pretty uh, passable gym at our house so kind of growing up it was always like oh where's mom and dad oh they're in the gym you know like that's or, awesome yeah like or, um we have like you know pictures of you know my dad running half marathons with us in strollers and my dad told me that uh, just the other day when we were home we broke our we broke the concept too but it's not because we were like so strong it's because our dad bought like one of the original concept twos that had like i'm talking like a wood handle wow and that was like it's, it was concept one yeah <laughs> and uh, i remember our dad told us that he bought it because um when i was born he's like well yeah i needed to go to the gym so i just put you in the backpack and i just get on the rower and just start rowing so it was just kind of it was just kind of in our family kind of in our blood growing up that uh and then you know just watching videos and just trying to be like other just meathead idiots and just like oh, i think we should do this let's start you know bench pressing and stuff like that and, we were just talking yesterday on the podcast. Uh, we were just doing a podcast amongst ourselves, and we were talking about how when you're like seven or eight, you're following after that like nine or ten year old kid and, and wanting to be like him. Um, do you think it was beneficial to you to try to follow in in your big brother's uh, footsteps, or or was it uh, in any way was it uh, negative? I Trying th- to keep up with him, maybe. <laughs> I think for me, it, it helped kind of get in my head that I could go harder because there's a lot of kids my age who are like, oh, you know just do like the the school workout and like PE or whatever and I'd be like all right well I'm ready to like really turn it on it was like a warm-up I'd go back and like I gotta chase him somehow he was bigger stronger faster always so I just wanted to you know do the extra work and so in that way I think that it really helped me so are you able to keep up now you able to beat him sometimes uh, yeah. there's there's a couple of things you catch but, him here and there but <laughs> I mean he's like, strong man he, he's like you saw him today I mean he, he's just he's got He's, he's got some like weird stuff he's just like insanely good at like he shouldn't be really good at deadlift but he you know he, he out pulled me today a couple times and he's really good on the rower he's has a really weird uh strength to body mass ratio like for a guy that weighs two good at weird stuff yeah, for, yeah. A guy, for, for a guy that weighs 210 like he's pretty good you know he's two, 210 215 he's, yeah. pretty, he's pretty good at like you right. know handstand push-ups and a lot of ring work and i mean i he just cooks me in that stuff mm. but do you guys train differently like in terms of like powerlifting or whatever, do you, do you do different stuff? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you, and he can tell you his journey. I, I was like 
full just ath- like athletics. So I most of my strength training background's been kind of inside of a gym for football or baseball. Um, played played um, hockey growing up, so just kind of a, um, real sports specific training, mm-hmm. and uh, all the way through college. And then when I stopped that, um, I kind of I got into CrossFit. So that's those are kind of the only modalities that I train. Okay, he's a little bit different. He actually followed like old, old, old school Mark and got into powerlifting. And I don't know, you tell him everything you've kind of done. Yeah. I mean, I'll run it back. And um, <laughs> so when I first started working out, my, my dad and brother were like, hey, let's get you on calisthenics. Let's make a, a really strong foundation for you. It's like push-ups, dips, pull-ups, whatever it was, air squats, lunges. Like, but I want to lift. <laughs> and they're like, but you got to be strong before you lift because I was super, right? super skinny and lean. True. And um, I did all that training. And one of the early guys who worked with Ryan Paul got us on isometric holding things to really get time and retention, building the endurance without risking injury in athletics. What's and, this isometric thing? A machine? <laughs> no, it's just, um, like, like five minute. Squat. Oh, just holding the weights. Okay. Like yeah. five minute squat, five minute lunge, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And this guy, we would train with this guy and he would, he would set milk crates up and he would, uh, you'd get in like a spread lunge and you just dip down to where your knee bend was below the parallel point of the, of the milk crates and he'd, be, he'd start the clock and be like, well, five minutes cumulative. And that was like the warm up. Well, and then yeah. you then you'd get, you you'd know, pull on something, you'd push on something for five minutes. No, you just hold a lunge hold on a top lunge. of milk crates oh my in, God. In, in a split lunge, just oh hold God, it for dude. five minutes. And then once you each get leg, advanced at each that, leg. <laughs> I love that. Then you, you were able to do that? Yeah. Well, you work up to it. Jesus. Once you get good at that, though, then you put a barbell between your legs. Then you add yeah, five. You start holding you the barbell, tens, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're just that weirdo doing 30-second holds with, like, 225 between your legs. Yeah, it's weird. And wow. so that all happened. And then I was like, ah. <laughs> that would be really That awful. sounds like torture, like literal torture. <laughs> oh, but yeah. your muscle endurance is crazy. You just try to stay a little bit. Closer to the mic here. Let's move it this way. Yeah, you just, just start out working. <clears throat> but and then and then I was like, you know, I want to do something that I enjoy because that just hurts. <laughs> but you know, so then I started getting into powerlifting, and you know, I'm like 30 pounds lighter than I was when I was really powerlifting, and that's when I started following you and just getting into the, you know the slingshot bench. You know, then you're like, I need to get fat like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know. He had this massive bench, and I was like, I got to do 400. And the first time I did 400 was after doing, you know, a 12-week training block using the slingshot, and I got it. I so, remember the yeah. first time he showed me the original. He's got, like, the old-school slingshot, old-school gangster rap, like, probably Generation 1. I remember the first time he showed it to me, I was like, get that thing the hell out of here, man. I'm not going <laughs> to put this thing on. Just put the, put, put the freaking weights on. And he's like, and then he shows up a couple of weeks later, and I'm like, good Lord, this dude's throwing weights around. What the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> yeah, this shit works. <laughs> so yeah we were yeah we, we've just always kind of been training different stuff so i i like stuff that's a little more like um i i like to mix cardio in mm-hmm. i like to try to do as many different things he's just a big likes to feel good when he's lifting guy yeah i mean now i would say the main difference between him and i in training is he's crossfit and i would say i'm like cross lift yeah. <laughs> you know like cross lift. I'll, I'll i'll get on the erg i'll get in the assault bike i'll get the cardio in when i want but it's very much just kind of what I want to do is what I do that day, and I have to enjoy it, or I just won't do it. He's so an, he's okay. an he's an intuitive lifter. That's, yeah, yeah. And like today we were talking about you know rep scheme, and you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna kind of go till it feels good. And I'm kind of the same way. I throw up some weight in the bar, and it feel good if I'm supposed to do it for five, and I can do it for eight. I'll do it for eight. You know, I do the same thing with the uh, weight on the bar. You know, I just keep going up, and then it's just all of a sudden doesn't because I'm not really following anything in particular. I'm not. Uh, competing uh, anytime soon so 
I get a weight on there and yeah, I'm always trying to go as heavy as I can handle. But once I start to go a certain weight, if my form starts to waver, I'm just like, well, that's just where the, where today is. That's just where it ended up. And so, you know, I, I have to sometimes pull myself back and say, okay, well, you just, that's the way it went for today. You can't add more weight. And I just got to kind of leave it, leave it at that. But I think a lot of people are, are pushing and they're trying to get that weight on there. I'm like, I want to move the weight a certain way. You know, some of the stuff we talked about, like how Michael Hearn trains and some of the stuff I was showing you guys today, it's like, look, man, if we move this weight a certain way, we don't really need weight on there. We weren't using a we're, lot of weight on certain things, yeah, right? At the end, we we're getting smoked. We're just, there's that 45 pound plate, man. <laughs> but you know what? Like you guys are both saying, it felt good. I mean, the, the tension was good. The body position was good. And, it, and you know, that, that set probably cooked me just as much as when we had four plates and 25 on there, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. How do you, uh, how, how do you guys, uh, so you, you've been a fan for a long time. And then what was the progression of you running into like my brother? Cause you're a fan, you're a fan of my brothers, right? Uh, yeah. So this is like the crazy thing. And this is what I told, uh, this is what I was telling Chris. That I Cause this is so a funny. weird, it's kind it's, of a weird story. It's a weird story. So, um, bigger, stronger, faster comes out. And my brother was like, Oh yeah. The guy who made that video, his brother is, you know, his brother's this power lifter. He's a badass. I find I'm like, Okay, I don't really follow lifters, whatever. But at the time, I was really, and not not just at the time, but I, I was really in independent cinema. I took a bunch of cinema classes in college as electives, and our class went to the Sundance Film Festival a couple times. And, you know, Chris was like, you know, bigger, stronger, faster came out. He was bigger than life. I mean, it was like the independent movie of like, it, you know, I tell him all the time, is he's like a once-in-a-generation director as far as independent cinema goes. Guy's amazing. So I was a huge fan of him. And I remember actually our class at the Sundance Film Festival did a whole presentation they did a whole deal on bigger stronger faster and we had to write a paper on it and wow we were like we're looking into chris and everything and so you know fast forward you know whatever it is 10 years kind of find the carnivore diet you know see baker on rogan like a bunch of other people did i'm a curious guy so i'm you know trying to kind of reach out to baker you know one thing leads to another get in touch with him we end up chit-chatting and uh he's like we're talking and talking and I'm like, Hey, you know, I see your friends with, uh, with Chris Bell. I was like, I'm a huge fan of his movies and stuff like that. Next time you run into him, just, you know, connect us or something. Like I'd love to, you know, say what's up. Well, five <coughs> minutes later, Dr. Baker links us up on email. And I, you know, Chris is like, Hey, what are you, you know, what are you doing? He's, you know, obviously a super nice jovial guy. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm out in Austin. I'm working. I work for hop He's like, no way. I got, you know, you got one of your guys' restaurants is like next door to me. I'm like, dude, I'll come down and we'll see you. Let's, let's eat some meat and train. <laughs> and that's kind of how it started. And then I, I remember calling. Yeah, he, he, I remember he called me. He was all pumped. He's like, I met the Hop Dotty guy. He kept telling me how good the burgers were. Yeah. He's like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And so then I call my brother. I'm like, I'm like, Jack, I'm going to fly to Cali. I'm going to go hang out with Chris Bell. We're going to eat and lift. He's like, no way. I'm like, yeah, man, it's going to be great. And so, you know, I was a while ago now and we just, talk talk all the time and train and it's good stuff and then you know it's just kind of funny you know like big brothers or big brother connection and you know you're following him kind of little brother connection it's kind of funny sure so yeah that's a interesting spin um how did you get into uh you know being like a how did you end up getting this position at hop daddy like uh were you cooking before or something like that so yeah i uh, when uh when i when i was playing football in college and that kind of came to an end um I didn't really know what I wanted to do after I graduated and I moved to the mountains to be, you know, be a ski bum. And, uh, I ran out of money and I started lugging boxes. Um, kind of, and in a mountain town, what happens is, is that, you know, the ski lodges, they all have like 
it'll serve you know thousands and thousands of people a day. So semi trucks will back up at four in the morning and they'll unload pallets of frozen food and you got to put them on a hand truck and ride them up the gondola and put them away in the freezer. And Damn. I did that for a whole a whole winter and uh, I was like, yeah, man, this sucks. And they were like, well, if you want to make more money, you got to cook. And I'm like, I'm not cooking. And they're like, well, you should cook if you want to make more money. So I did that and then uh, that kind of turned to, you know, one thing led to another and I started cooking in a mountain town and then uh, moved around a little bit and uh, ended up opening my own restaurants back home and uh, had a couple in San Francisco, had a couple in Arizona. Wait, like Hop Dotties? Or no, no, no. Totally this different. is my own restaurants. Okay. So I opened okay. my own restaurants. Um, and what, what kind of restaurants were those? Oh, uh, they were all over. I had uh, two classic American kind of gastro pubs. I had like uh, kind of an upscale Italian kind of Italian influenced, uh, steakhouse. I had a Pueblo style Mexican restaurant that we, uh, we were more spirits focused. So we did a lot of, uh, cane and agave stuff. So it was all like, uh, tequila, mezcal, sotol, cachaca, bacanora, really obscure wow. esoteric spirits from kind of Latin America, Mexico. Um, as part of a country bar down in San Francisco. Um, and then kind of two other, just kind of American American food restaurants down there. Then I did a, another Mexican restaurant down in uh, Arizona. Um, and then after all that, um, a guy that had kind of mentored me for a while um, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to uh, to come down and, and take a position with, with Hop Dottie that was a, a growing kind of sexy burger brand at the time. And uh, I moved down to Austin two years ago. I think we had 15 units when I showed up and we have uh, 33 right now and uh, nine under construction mm. and it's it's been an amazing ride and uh, so yeah i oversee all the food and beverage for the whole company so i write the menus uh come up with all the specials kind of oversee most of the training process for that do a lot of the hiring do a lot of the evaluations um oversee a lot of the creative process um and i've really just kind of been been blessed to be on a really great team and kind of see this this kind of growth rise which has been fantastic for me as kind of the next stage in my career kind of going from um, you know, a budding entrepreneur and kind of integrating into a large organization that's, that's growing. So it's been really, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing. Is that, uh, is that weird for you? Is it like unconventional compared to other jobs that you've had? I mean, it sounds like you had to be pretty buttoned up to have these, um, these restaurants. I'm sure you got to be organized and stuff. Um, do you, do you like that aspect of it? Do you like the aspect of being like in a, you know, going from being a meathead in the gym and throwing around some weight and then, you know, putting on your executive <laughs> pants? Do you like doing that or? Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I was the, the, the part that only people that know me really, really well would know this is, um, when I moved to the mountains and first started cooking, I kind of stopped training and I never really have time. And when, you know, at that point I'm, I, I was at this crossroads where there was really no option for me. It was like, I got to start making money. I got to start doing something. I graduated college. And so training and the, you know, basically any semblance of a healthy lifestyle kind of went by the wayside. And then when you become an entrepreneur, I think I opened my, I think I you know, opened my first restaurant when I was 25. Um, so, I mean, I, there was just no time for any of that. And so the unconventional part of what I do now is, is that, going from an entrepreneur to being part of a larger, larger organization, um, is maybe a little bit different. People usually do it the other way. They start with a large company and then they go break off on their own. Mm -hmm. But what being a part of a large company has really afforded me the ability to do is, um, I just get to leverage great people around me. I get to be a part of a team. So not every single moving component is incumbent on me to move the needle. 
Um, so it's actually freed me up a little bit to be able to kind of recommit to the gym and kind of come back and start training a bit more and find a little bit better work-life balance. Um, and so I, I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, one of the cool things, and it's not quite to the extent that you guys have here, obviously, given the nature of our business, but our company's very uh, young and progressive thinking and very health conscious. Chris met our CEO, you know, our CEO is like talk, telling Chris, he's like, no, I can't eat right now. I'm on my, I'm on my 16 hour fast. And like, you know, he's, you know, drinking bulletproof coffee. And, um, you know, a lot of people in our office are, are, are very, uh, very health conscious. And it's, uh, it's a cool company in a pretty cool city that's pretty aware of that stuff so it's it's fun i like it a lot a lot of times people say a great way to like burn through a lot of money is to open up a restaurant <laughs> could I, I i i tell you two two things i'll, I'll tell everybody because being I mean, kind you of, better damn be passionate about it or have a really good idea right yeah so t- i mean being kind of the restaurant you know guy in my circle of people that i know probably one week doesn't go by that I don't get a call from somebody being like, Hey, I got a friend that really wants to talk to you about opening a restaurant. And I always tell people two things. No, don't yeah, do it. yeah. So after, after I say, absolutely not. I say the first thing is if you get it right, if you can nail it, it's an ATM machine. If you can't, it's a vacuum cleaner. And the second thing is, is that, and then after I tell them that and they're like, okay, well, I think we're going to get it right. You know, we got a good idea. We got a good location. I'm like, you said every restaurateur. The second thing is, and, and I mean this wholeheartedly and dead seriously. Um, if on your birthday, you're not willing to leave your family's dinner table, drive to the restaurant and clean human shit out of a urinal, then you shouldn't open a restaurant because those are the type of things that will be asked of you as a restaurant owner. And if you're not prepared to make that level of sacrifice, then don't do it because that's literally the stuff that'll happen. I mean, at the worst time, the worst thing you can imagine will happen at the worst time and it'll happen over and over and over again. And you'll feel like the Iraz- you'll, you'll feel like the Israeli army just constantly at war. <laughs> You're just constantly at war against what's going on around you. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a amazingly rewarding. It's incredibly fun. Um, but you have to have a ton of great people around you. And I think everybody likes the idea of like, yeah, it would be badass to own a place that I can invite all my friends to. And like, exactly. you kind of think of that side of it and you're thinking, yeah, it's going to bring like, the, you're like inside the place, like the place is packed all the time. This is a money making machine right here. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's funny because restaurants, um, cool restaurants fail to be cool unless they're a business. And a lot of restaurateurs fail to remember and to know that you're in the business of business. So if your restaurant isn't making money, it's not going to be cool for very long because <laughs> it's going to go out of business, you know? Um, but you, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. So many people are like, oh, you know, I just want this like small little wine list and maybe, you know, something for so-and-so. And I mean, the telltale sign of somebody going down the rabbit holes are like, you know, I'd really love you to get with my wife. They've got some great ideas for menu items and, you know, her sister-in-law is going to do great on the design. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm. We're, we're done here with this conversation. <laughs> this is, this ceases to happen now. You need to bring in professionals. Yeah. I right? mean, and, and there's people that are substantially probably better than me at this. I, I, I've been really blessed to be in a position where I, like I said, I get to do, I, I'm, I'm at that perfect intersection with Hopdotty of the things that I like to do and the things that I'm good at cross over really mm-hmm. well. Um, and so it's just, it's afforded me a, a bunch of great opportunities, like being able to meet people like, you know, Chris and come up and hang out and do stuff like this with you guys. Uh, we're in the middle of a menu rollout right now. We're, we're we're changing the we're changing the menu in you know nine states and all of our restaurants in two days. So wow. Um, but but again, one of the when we set out to do a menu change and we set out to do broad scale changes like this, we try to develop such a great system and such a great process. We try to train people so well that 
this is literally what we talk about doing. We're like, hey, if we do our job right and we set our people up for success, we give them the tools that they need, the day we roll the menu out, we should all be on vacation because mm-hmm. there shouldn't be any questions. We should have answered every question. We should have trained everybody properly. We should just be waiting for a phone to ring and it shouldn't ring because we should just, our job should just be done by then. Mm-hmm. So when you opened all those restaurants earlier before Hop Dotty, were, were these like you did one that, that, that stopped and then the next one? Because you mentioned like five yeah, or six. Yeah, I did. I did two. Um, then we moved on from those, did another one, um, bought another one, moved on from those and then down to San Francisco and then down to Arizona and then up to San Francisco. And do you still like, like right now with any of these restaurants, do you still own them? Did you sell them or just like sold a couple of them, closed a couple of them? Okay. I was the, uh, I was the, uh, I was the poster boy for, uh, Cool restaurant, not cool for long. <clears throat> yeah, I was a poster boy for like you know you couldn't get a, you couldn't get a seat. You know our place was mm-hmm. packed, food was amazing. Um, you know I fell into a lot of um, you know kind of pitfalls of you know either paying people too much, not paying people enough, um, not being a great leader myself, not making the decisions that not making the hard decisions that needed to be made in business. Being too social is a big rabbit hole. People go down uh, when they own restaurants and bars and stuff like that too, right? Drinking too much and, oh. and things like that and hanging out with uh, employees too much and things like that, right? Unbelievably so. I mean, I think I probably- Because it's entertainment. It's food's entertainment, right? I probably single-handedly closed one of my restaurants <laughs> because of that reason. I mean, I, and, and, and looking back on it, I could confidently say like, hey, is it 20 six-year-old, you know, young entrepreneur, when you put music, food, cash, and booze in four walls with, you know, an immature leader, um, I mean, that's probably going to happen. I mean, you go to business school and you think you learn how to run business. I mean, you don't, you, they don't but, and, and you might know about business, but you don't know anything about leadership. You don't know anything about building a team. And I learned that the hard way in spades. Um, but I think it's, it all really ultimately kind of prepared me to be a better member of a team now and i remember the whole time i was doing it by myself right or the whole time when i was you know i was the chef i was janitor i was everything and I, the whole time i was thinking god i would make the world's best sous chef like i would make the world's best number two mm-hmm. you know like if somebody just called me and was like hey just come in and just do this i was like god i think i'd be great at this and, and then i kind of got lucky enough to be able to be in that yeah. situation where um you know I'm, I'm able to kind of parlay the things that i'm decent at and make a career out of it and be able to train like a maniac, spend more time with family. Hop Daddy is uh, primarily burgers, right? Yeah, and it's different because we uh, we try to be as health conscious as we possibly can, but um, ultimately we just try to be um, kind of as fanatical about quality as we can. So people are going to make choice. People are going to make the choices they want to make when they come to eat. Inherently, it's kind of an issue to serve milkshakes, French fries, and cheeseburgers and be healthy. But we just try to do it the best way that we can, right? We try to source the meat. That's what people are looking for, though, too, right? I mean, yeah. there's some people that might want to eat like my brother and I without the bun or whatever, right? And there's yeah. other people that want to get after it and have the shake and the French fries with, and have the whole experience, right? That's yeah, me. absolutely. Oh, what's this? Oh, what's, this is a new video. What's the best thing you guys got? Oh, man. I think- The uh, dirtiest thing you got, tell the, me. The dirtiest, <laughs> thing, the dirtiest thing we got is probably rolling out right now. It's a- uh, it's called a double double bacon jam. Um, so it's two two four point two five ounce patties with uh, white and American cheese, pickled mayonnaise, tomato bacon jam, and mustard grilled onions, and it's delicious. Oh god, that sounds good. It's it delicious. Really good. That just made me really hungry. Yeah, yeah there's our, there's our, yeah, there's our spot right there. This is our original restaurant in uh, South Congress. These guys got together and uh, they wanted to open one burger restaurant and. Uh, 
Actually, uh, Nick Foles, Nick Foles' dad, Larry mm-hmm. Foles, he's like the Steve Jobs of restaurateurs. The guy's unbelievably talented. Wow. Nick he's, Foles, he, professional he, football player. Yeah. Right? He, what are you, on the Eagles? Is he still yep. on the Eagles? Uh, Jaguars now. Jaguars. Okay. So, Nick, uh, so Larry Foles and his partner, they had two guys that worked for him. And these two guys that worked for him came came to these guys basically and said, hey, we want to open a, want to open a burger restaurant. And they're like, oh, okay, let's do it. And so they opened it on South Congress. Um, you know, kind of the funky, weird, cool street in Austin, Texas. And they opened one and, uh, it just went off like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And then they opened a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. And, um, you guys have vegan burgers or turkey burgers over there. What do you got? We got turkey burgers. We've got, uh, we serve bison, tuna, turkey, uh, Kobe, uh, regular beef. Um, we serve the impossible burger. Um, that's the vegan. Well, that's one with no meat, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like the no meat meat burger. And then we serve a, and then we serve a kind of a house made uh, veggie patty. We bake all the buns fresh every day. We cut all the French fries fresh every day. We blanch them. We soak them. We cook them. Fry them up. So, How do you get the meat? Uh, that's been kind of one of those things. That it's always kind of fluctuating. We always try to find. It's got to be hard, I'd imagine. I mean, especially as the company grows, right? So the first farm that we were the first farm that we were working with, we definitely outgrew. Um, they basically came to us and they're like, "Hey, you guys, is tra- your trajectory is going like be- think about like if McDonald's needs like one extra pickle." Yeah, you know, it's like well, that's going to wipe out the pickles yeah, so across the country, right? French fries is actually the bigger problem because everybody wants this certain varietal of fry that is really it's a light frying potato. Everybody wants Kennebec potatoes. Hmm. In and out takes the lion's share of Kennebec potatoes available. Period. Um, so that's what people fight for. For 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 uh, the meat, we just we try to find really high quality producers, and we just try to make sure that they can keep up with our growth, and that um, they're going to make sure that we don't have any stalls in distribution. So right, right now, we're working with Creekstone Farms. Um, they're actually they're they made the steaks that we were having last night. Oh, um, cool. So Creekstone does a really really great job. So we work with Creekstone Farms. We work with uh, Mashima Ranch. I think they're actually in nor- Northern California. Um, they make a, a Kobe varietal, and we take some of their fat, their fat trim, and we fold it into the uh, Creekstone. So we have a little bit more fat that we fold into our patty. Um, but these guys all do a really good job. What's uh, the diet like for you guys? I, I mean, we the first diet we really did together was a basic ketogenic diet. And then kind of saw that one through, did the carnivore diet for almost a year. And my friends thought I was nuts. I'm sure you saw the same Gosh, thing. You guys probably, I mean, you probably get that too though, right? I mean, when you, yeah, when, yeah. when you, lit- it's weird, yeah. when you literally are just like, yeah, what are you having today? I'm four red eyes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, you yeah. did like pure carnivore, no carbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did that for we did, about we did a the, year. We did but- the keto thing together for about a year. And I mean, we kind of oscillated everywhere from like, fat kid like dirty keto to where we're like you know making the guacamole and dipping the bacon in it being like this is so healthy you know (laughs) and then uh and then you know we swung we swung the pendulum all the way to the other side where we were just having like huge you know kind of marxist and big ass salads with like you know really limited protein um and then we were like hey man let's try this carnivore thing and that was great right i mean you you probably enjoyed it more than me more than me yeah i mean I, I have no problem eating four or five pounds of meat in a day. That's not that's not a big, big deal. Guys I just I just, didn't, I just enjoy it. But you know, the same thing with training for me is at a certain it does point, sound funny. Yeah, it does. <laughs> right when you say it out loud, you're like, yeah. oh, what are you gonna do today? I want to eat a bunch of meat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, eat a couple cows every year. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> but at the same time, like at the same thing with training, I have to really enjoy it. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, there's other foods that I really enjoy, and to keep that healthy relationship, wanted to try and eat some other things and. 
we, you know, went vertical for a while and still kind of on that train. And the vertical diet's great, you know. So he makes it really easy with those pre-made meals to, yeah. to get. And um, they're satiating. You know, we talked about earlier, you can um, make them as fast as you can eat them kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, I think Stan does a really good job with uh, the food that he puts together. Um, I kind of transitioned from carnivore. Um, Chris actually was like, he's like, dude, he's like, you're working out way too hard. You're already pretty lean. He's like, I think you're just killing your body. He's like, I think you need to find some carbs in your life. Mm-hmm. And at this time, mind you, I, I will full heart, full, fully admit and wholeheartedly say like, I was the biggest zealot offender. I remember like when he was doing hardcore carnivore, I would like walk by and he'd be like, you know, making a fruit smoothie. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm like, dude, this you're ain't just... a game, dude. Yeah, I was like, what are you? The fuck? I was like, what the fuck is your problem? And he looks, and I remember clear as day, he just looks up at me from the blender and he's like, yeah, I don't think fresh blueberries are going to make me fat, dude. And I was like, all right, well, fuck, fuck this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. But it, Chris, Chris, so Chris is like, you're wrong. Yeah. Storm off. Chris is like, you need to get some carbs in your life. And I was petrified of him. I mean, I have a very, I, I've had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and Chris is like, dude, you need carbs in your life. He's like, I, you know, I think you should try something. Try something you can digest. He's like, clearly you're not metabolically broken. It's not going to hurt you. Maybe it's going to feel your training better. Maybe you're going to feel a little bit better. Because he would, he was like my support group, right? Like I would be carnivore, carnivore, carnivore. And then like next thing you know, I'm calling Chris. I'm like, Chris, I just ate three blizzards, man. I don't know what the hell's going on. And Chris, Chris is like, dude, you're fine. You're fine. Just go train. So like he kind of like urged me off it. And then uh, Chris was... Uh, he was gracious enough to um, kind of connect me with Lane, actually, mm. uh, with Dr. Lane Norton. And uh, I think I was one of the last people Lane like took on as kind of a, a consult guy. And so Lane was like, hey, man, here's the thing. Check out the science. Um, I had already read Lane's book, which I, have you guys seen that read Lane's book, Fat Loss Forever? Not yeah, read that one unbelievable yet. information. It's like a, it's like a nutritional science PhD, but like in a like easily digestible yeah. book. So I talked to Lane, Lane kind of helped me set some macros up. And then I basically use those, use that macronutrient platform. And, um, I just plug in all of sans food as best I can. Um, I've never felt better. That's I mean, great. I think, I think, I think Stan, the way Stan breaks it down and the way that his, his meals are kind of formulated. I don't know if there's anything better. So do you like with the macros that you have right now, do you pretty much eat the same things every day? So you don't have to really count it every day. Like these are meals that you don't change. So you don't really need to track them anymore. Right. Um, so that's kind of where maybe what I do is a little bit different. I try to keep a backbone of the same meals every day. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, I will say, you know, and the critics out there probably, you know, people are probably going to eviscerate me for this. I'm, I probably lean a little bit more towards some of the flexible dieting practices and yeah. that, you know, like, no, not every day do I have three monster mashes, two oranges, 10 almonds and a thing of, you know, cranberry juice, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll throw a quest bar in, but I'll just toss it into my macros. And then, you know, if I throw a quest bar in, I'll back out, you know, nothing c- sounds c- wild about a couple, couple <laughs> eggs or whatever, you know, <laughs> if anyone's getting mad, but, but you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, I, I tell you what, for, for every carnivore person <clears throat> that is out there, which I think carnivore diet's great for longevity and, you know, lean muscle, you know, um, like pres- preservation, Keto diet's probably great for a lot of the neurotropic and fat loss kind of benefits. Gosh, there are people out there that just absolutely want to string people up that are the calorie in, calorie out, flexible dieting people. You're right. I mean, for every zealot out there, there is about that. The, the macro counting crowd and the, in the calories in, calories out crowd, those people that attack that group, they're like, 
so angry about it. Mm-hmm. And I think they just think that every, I think Lane made like two references about like, yeah, if you want a pop tart, have a pop tart sometime. And now like the entire calorie in calorie out crowd is just like these, you know, pop tart, you know, skittle eating, you know, fat people that want to, you know, that <laughs> pretend to be fat, that pretend to be ripped. I don't, yeah, I don't get I, it. I think, you know, in the end, the message is actually kind of the same. Like people are just trying to express how they feel about something that probably worked well for them. Yeah. And they're excited and they want to share it. And they're like, no, this worked good for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're not really maybe hearing the other point. I think, you know, on both sides or all sides, uh, everyone's guilty of like maybe oversimplifying everything and not understanding like the human condition is the hardest thing that we're trying to like battle against. And I mean, we still have racism. We still have wars. We still have hatred. We still have we still have awful things happen in this world and we always will. Those things will always exist. And so when it comes to like your nutrition, you know, you think, OK, well, if you just eat, you know, things that are natural, you kind of stay in that realm, then you should be okay. Or if you want to count the calories and you pay attention to what you're eating, you should be okay. Um, but I think that the human condition is that, you know, we want to eat those French fries. We, we're very <laughs> enticed. These things are attractive and sexy to us and they're advertised to us. And there's a lot of emotional attachment to them. So we're not, it's not like we're a dog, you know, yeah. you a dog, you can just feed it whatever you want. And uh, but our, even our pets are fat <laughs> yeah. because we've made poor choices with what, with, with, uh, what we choose for them as well. And so it, I think that's the, the issue is that it gets oversimplified. Hey, just don't eat any carbs. But, but if I did have one message to give you it, and I'm, I'm speaking to the general public, not to people that are in fitness, I would probably tell you, you should look into reducing the amount of processed foods that you eat. Oh, I don't think, I don't think anybody would argue that, right? right? You could get, you could get a vegetarian, you could get Dr. Baker, you could get Lane, you could get anybody, you could get Stan. And I think across the board, everybody would be like, uh, probably eat more protein, right? Probably reduce processed food. And, you know, or stay away from something with a package. It's so hard. It's so hard for people to do, but if like, they could get rid of snacks and have, yeah. uh, you know, some sort of nice protein source with each meal. I, I realize that that is very life altering, though. Like that is yeah. that is a huge life change. That's you have to prep your meals. There's a lot that goes into that. But if you were to eat some meat or some sort of protein source about three or four times a day and you didn't have snacks, you would look forward to those protein sources three or four times a day. And you would, you know, by and large, probably be okay. Well, and the, ironic, right. and the ironic thing too is, is if you have those, if you have that protein three or four times a day, I mean, I, I'm not a scientist, but I know that everything I've, I've read and everything I've heard, I mean, everybody talks about, Hey, yeah, I mean, space your protein out, you know, have three right. or four meals with 50, you know, 45, 50 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. And to your point, if you're not, if you're not having that quest bar, that's, you know, 24 grams of protein, you just kind of, Hey, you know what, hold off and just, you know. Have yourself a you know piece of lean meat and some vegetables or some rice or whatever you want, and, and that that nutrient timing throughout the day is probably you know probably more beneficial than snacking throughout the day. People get upset about like a donut or something. I heard uh, Jordan Syatt had some information on his uh, Instagram the other day. Somebody was calling in saying like, if I have a donut, if I have one donut every day, I'll get fat. And he's like, why do you think that? Yeah. And the guy's like, well, donuts just aren't good for you. He goes, well, maybe that's true, but a donut is not necessarily going to make you fat. But I think what most on the other side of it, people like myself who've been big before, I'm like a donut is a fucking giant pitfall. Hell yeah. And you have to have abstinence from it. I mean, it's almost like being an alcoholic or something. It's probably not as powerful as that, but it probably rivals it. I know for me, if I, I kind of call it flipping my taste buds inside out, if I flip them inside out and they're, they're headed towards that direction, that's where I'm going. 
if I have ice so cream, true. I'm going to want more ice cream. If I have pizza, I'm going to want more. It just, it, it leads me down. It leads me personally down a bad path. So when I see other people say that stuff, I'm like, you can't tell people that it's not yeah. going to work, man. Yeah. Dude, I was, I've been close to 300 pounds out of shape uh, before too. So I'm the same way. I remember the second time I ever talked to Lane, actually, I was like, dude, I'm telling Cause he was like, Hey man, just make room in your macros for it. You know, very, you know, scientific and pragmatic about it. And I was like, Lane, you don't get it, man. Like if I have too many, if I have an extra bite of a protein bar, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the car, I'm driving to the gas station, I'm looking for that Snickers. Yeah. And Lane, Lane just put it to me so well. And every time that, that, uh, every time I get an inkling, I hear his voice in the back of my head. He's like, Hey Matt, just cause you get a flat tire doesn't mean you got to get out and slash all four. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know. So, you know, time for a new car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, Hey, just cause, just cause you had one thing wrong. Doesn't mean you got to go, you know, hog wild the other way. I, but I thought I heard you guys the other day and I thought you said it really well about tra- tracking macros and stuff like that. Not everybody needs to do it. Mm-hmm. And it probably doesn't, it probably doesn't work for most people, but if you have ever done it for five days, you'll learn a lot about what fills you up, what caloric load comes with certain foods, what tastes good. You learn how to, you know, take food like swap foods in swap foods out and kind of what fills you up what fuels you right you know i mean so no the huge importance of it is to try to land on a number that would get you to where you want to go whether you're trying to lose or gain right i mean yeah because there's a lot of there's a lot of calculations you can make and you can go on these sites and you can figure it out um, and you can come up with some information but really the ultimately just doing it would probably be the best and yeah because nobody has perfect information about like yeah. how many calories how many calories you need, you need what's your bmr what's your tde all that stuff mm-hmm. nobody so the, the ultimate goal obviously for everybody is just intuitive eating with it, steeped in the backbone of a little bit of knowledge right and that knowledge comes from hey what's a pro what you know what does a processed food make me feel like? What does a whole nutritious yep. food make me feel like? How much of this can I eat or do I need to eat? I think all that stuff's just super relevant, you know? Yeah, I think the idea, though, of awareness is so important because, like, again, Mark mentioned, like, if he has some of these foods, right, he knows how he's going to be with it. Over time, you'll start having more and more and more and making more room. And you even mentioned it with the protein bar, but at this point, do you still have any trigger-type foods that you maybe just avoid or do you just yeah. make everything fit? I, I, I try to, um, I try to avoid, um, just stuff like, like, gosh, I, I was, I can't remember the last time I went to a movie in a movie theater because mm-hmm. I just, I'm telling you, man, like all that candy, all that popcorn, the sodas, I'm just like, I just want to sit there and do that. He was that. super feel, fearful at my house of a perfect keto bar. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they taste too good. I'm going to crush them. Yeah. I try to make, he like got legit, his eyes like lit up. He's like, no, no man, I can't keep, keep those away from me, Mark. <laughs> um, that stuff's, I mean the, so I do try to avoid some of like some of those foods that like, cause they, they are, there's a lot of triggers for me and I, and I, I fully acknowledge that I have, um, or have had a pretty un- unhealthy relationship with it. I just, man, I'd like to eat. I like to eat a lot. And I, I think maybe that's sometimes why sometimes it's a game for me in the macro counting, like how much food can I fit in those macros and how full can I get? You know, yeah. I, you probably know what I'm talking about no, a little I, bit. I know. Cause like, I mean, I used to track a lot. I don't track anymore because I'm at that point where I eat intuitively and yeah. I like yesterday. Hashtag jealous. Yeah, no, but yesterday I had an anniversary <laughs> with my girl, right? We got some pizza. We had some ice cream. I ate a lot, but it was like, it was controlled. Like the thing for me is I know that I'm not, I'm not going to have packaged food in my house Yeah, because like we've talked about this. <laughs> if I bought like, you know, those nature Valley granola bars, Hell He's yes. obsessed with these no, no, but legit, <laughs> if I go buy those from Costco, 
even today, they'd be gone in six days. Yeah, man. Because I know that if it's in the cabinet, if I have one, I'll go. I'll yeah. come back and get a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. So if we have the awareness of what Fs us up, then we can like we can still navigate these waters. I think this is the definition of how you know if you've ever if you've ever had an unhealthy relationship with food. And I told this to my workout partner at the gym the other day. Because he was like, bro, I think your calories are too low. And I was like, nah, man, you don't get it. And he was like, I think you need to go up a little bit. And I was like, I was like, Orion, let me ask you a question. Have you ever have you ever opened a, a any any size? Have you ever opened a thing of ice cream and set the and set the lid on the counter? And he was like, What do you mean? I was like, I've never done that. I open the lid the lid. Lid goes in the trash, brother. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't matter the size. Like ice cream gets open, lid in the trash. You know? I was like, that definition of unhealthy. Like, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You yep. sit down with a giant spoon. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, this thing's going, it's going down, brother. <laughs> He's like, okay, I guess I see what you're saying. You know? Yeah. I think a huge thing for people is to just have something to look forward to. Yeah. You know, and you think about, you know, um, I mean, on a monthly basis, there's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of holiday almost, right? There's yeah. always like. There's uh, my kids. They have certain days off, you know, President's Day and these different like we all need things and the teachers get the day off, too. Right. We all like need stuff to like look forward to. So I think that people that are listening to this diet and they're not sure what diet to land on. They're like, oh, my God. I, you know, th- I think they they may be intimidated and think they have to try to go the rest of their life and, and all of a sudden be super strict on everything. But you can take a day off. You can take some time off. You can take. I've even had some really good advice from uh, my friend Jesse Burdick. As I was coming down, I used to weigh 330, and I would lose 20 pounds or so. And then he would say, hey, you know what? You know, Go ahead and enjoy this weekend or whatever. And I would be like, wait, the whole weekend? Like I want to try. I was getting excited. I wanted to stay on track. I want to stay on point. And he goes, yeah, dude. He's like, at this point, he's like, you're not, probably not going to. And, and every once in a while, I would cause a ton of damage. And every once in a while, I wouldn't. And I would learn. And I would continue to learn. I would continue to uh, try to make progress, but he would always try to give me something to look forward to. He said, you know, uh, this Wednesday, just go eat a bunch of pasta or whatever it is that you like to find something that you love, get it out of your system, go eat pancakes tomorrow. And then at one point, which I couldn't believe, you know, I probably lost maybe about 40 pounds. He was like, uh, take next week off. And I was like, no man, like <laughs> I can't do, I can't take the week off. And he's like, you'll, he goes, you're, he goes, you're such a pussy. He's like, you're going to make it for like three days. And he's like, and you're not going to even want to cheat anymore. I was like, you're full of shit, dude. I was like, you give me a whole week. I'm going to go hog wild. You know? <laughs> I'm going to eat it all. And uh, he was, he was right. I mean, I ate kind of bad for like two days and I didn't all of a sudden go real strict again. I was still eating like pizza and stuff, but just in like lower amounts. But taking that week off was it was a huge mental break for me. And I'm like, okay, now I need to figure out. And restarting, like restarting makes you stronger, just mm-hmm. like you would on a deadlift. You can tap your deadlifts off the ground or you can restart them. It's a different training stimulus. They both work things a little differently. So you can keep that momentum and keep going forward if you want, or you can stop and start again. But once you have that power to stop and start again, then you're in control of your shit. Yeah. He's a tr- he's a trigger for me because when we get together, we don't Uh-oh. we don't we don't he's, see each other he often. Goes, blaming his fucking brother. We, we don't see each other that often. So when this we seems get, like a good guy, man. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> he's, he, he's a trigger for me. But so when we get together, we just want to do everything, right? We're just like let's let's lift everything, let's eat everything, let's just you know. But uh, he, he's wise beyond his years, man. I remember I remember. Gosh, I was home maybe uh, a year and a half, two years ago, and he's a very intuitive eater. Like, I think he's probably a lot like you. He's, and he's, but, but again, unlike Mark and I, 
he's never had a problem with his weight ever. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I mean, luck, I, you're lucky. But I remember asking him one time, I was like, or I remember he was eating something. And I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? We're on the plan. Like, we're supposed to be on the plan. What, what's going on? And he looks at, he just, you know, looks at me kind of in that same, like, you know, vein where, hey, man, fruit's not going to make me fat. He's like, hey, man. Uh, you ain't going to get skinny from eating one salad. You're not going to get fat from eating one donut. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, all right, well, you know, I was just like, wise beyond his years, man. Just yeah. good, that was good knowledge. But, but like you were saying, Mark, I think that sometimes the gen pop takes that mentality a little too far. And they're like, hey, one week of uh, pizza every day, not, not that bad. Hey, I'm just going to carry the, carry the Sour Patch Kids around in my car. It's not going to be that. You know, I was like, well, that might, might actually take you over the top. Right. <laughs> So it's uh, that, it's I think it's just fun to play with. I think the, sta- the same stuff that you guys probably do, try try new stuff. We were talking about liver today. I'm really excited to go home and try incorporating a little bit more liver. That's good shit. Yeah, these guys got me on it, man. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about. I mean, I was asking them like, you know, d- does it move the needle? You feel any different? Like, you know, when you really are ostensibly you're packing a bunch of these micro and macronutrients into you, and you know, does it feel better? Does it, is it more satiating? Is it more energizing? You know, I mean, really what I'm saying is you notice, you know, it's a better pump, you know, you notice yeah. better energy, you know, what do you, and Mark's like, yeah, just try for three weeks. And I was like, all right, yeah. try, try or some up tonight, you know, sounds, yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, you just see if something's bullshit or not. Yeah. Give it a, like, give it a whirl. I know for myself, once I started doing it, that it's made dieting easier and it's like, uh, who out there doesn't want their diet to feel a little easier? Everybody. Does. I know that the sleep, you know, after talking to Ron Penna, I've been really taking that super serious. And that locked in the nutrition a lot easier. Like we have quest bars and all these things around. I, I love all that stuff. Um, you know, normally I would find myself at the end of a day, like, you know, uh, ended up bringing a couple home with me and stuff, but I, I don't mess with it anymore. I, I feel really focused. I feel really in tune with stuff, but it's again too. I, I also will plan to like have things to like look forward to. Like uh, next week I'm going to, or this weekend coming up, I'm going to New Jersey, spending some time with my family. And while I'm on the East Coast, of course, I'm going to get some pizza. Yeah. You know, of course, when I'm in that area, I'm going to get some pizza, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. My brother's totally offended over there. <laughs> he and I keep each other, uh, he and I keep each other in check with stuff too. And it's motivating. You know, we work out together and stuff as well. And um, the food stuff, I mean, we're always talk. we talk about nutrition all the time. I can't believe, uh, I can't believe how, lo- so did you say you just started kind of really redialing in sleep? Yeah, right. Yeah. Cause uh I was I was giving Andrew grief. I was like, Hey, where's Encima? Get him out here, man. Let's get him and he's like Andrew's like, Hey man, that guy's a savage about his sleep. He's not gonna move his schedule for anything. He needs his sleep. And in in my head I was thinking Gosh, how does he get along with Mark? Because Mark's because 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 I know because I know because I know that you're the guy that's up at like yeah you're up like Boy, wide yeah. awake like three a.m. like driving to the gym like deadlifting by himself and I'm like I just I don't know how you hit it as such a savage like because before you maybe have been taking this seriously were you sleeping like four or five hours a night um well or were so, you going to bed really early yeah so I've always taken the sleep seriously I, I just had a lot of trouble sleeping and um. And then I would kind of make excuses on why I like wasn't working on it or why I wasn't trying to get to bed early enough because I was like, oh, I have trouble falling asleep anyway, so what's the difference? And then I was like, no, you need to treat it like training and you need to like force yourself to, to figure this out. And so it all actually started maybe about two years ago, a year and a half ago. I started just waking up earlier and waking up earlier helped set my clock and helped set everything. I, I was tired by the time I got through a day. Um, and then, so the workouts that I was doing later in the day when I was working out at like two 
or three, um, I, you know, after being here and this is where I, you know, uh, work as well. And so I want to get back home until like six, I would eat, then boom, I'd end up in bed late, but I was still waking up early. I'd end up in bed late and it happened over and over and over and over and over again. And then I was like, I need to take better care of myself. I was getting sick a little bit here and there and stuff like that. And so I started, you know, uh, going to bed earlier and I started to create other disciplines around it. And once that happened, that's when everything clicked. I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is creating so many other cool disciplines for me that I just didn't have before where it's like eating or like getting up and starting the day, everything. I'm, I'm always like a day or two ahead. Whereas before I just, I, I don't know. I have a, I kind of have a weird personality. Like I don't really fucking care about much of anything. I, I really, you know, now that I have kids and a wife and stuff, obviously there's a lot more shit at stake. There's a lot more things to like really care about. Uh, but my wife will tell you, like I, I, you, you couldn't make me care about much of anything. I just didn't care about being somewhere on time. I didn't care about uh, taxes. I didn't care. That I, had, <laughs> I didn't care that I had bad credit. I didn't care that I didn't have a license. I mean, I still this day don't care about certain things. I don't care how much this like building costs. I have no idea what, what this place costs. I don't know what our house costs when we bought our house, the house that you guys went to today. Yeah. I never even looked at it. Like, we just bought it. Like, there's, I'm just weird that way. I just don't so, give a fuck. I don't care that much. <laughs> I guess that's what that's what it takes to get under a thousand pounds and start squatting yeah, it though. You yeah, gotta you gotta have you gotta have a fucking screw loose. Well, I try I, I try to be as like even keel as I can. I don't like to, you know, go up too high or down too low. Even if something really fucking cool happens, I don't like to really celebrate it because I'm like, <laughs> all right, what's next? You know, let's let's put up more points. You know, that was yeah. cool, but that you know and when something's real low, I'm like, fuck, that sucked. All right, let's move on, you know. <laughs> keep trying to go. Yeah, man. That's I I got, we were talking at the, I'm, I've been struggling with sleep lately. I think I've, I think my, uh, some of the maybe over tinkering with my diet has got me kind of coming out of, he's like, uh, eating lower fat right now. Yeah. Oh really? I'm like, like how low? Like, well, Mar- Mar- <laughs> Mark is advising it's potentially a bit low. Yeah. Um, I'm like below 60 grams. Ooh. Yeah. yeah that'll hit you. But my, I, I keep uh, my, his size. Uh, it's, it's a little excessive. How, how long have you been doing it for? Well, I think I just moved him down because I was, I've, I've just been trying, I was telling Mark, I'm trying to just cut just lean out a little bit more for this competition we have coming up because i got a bunch of gymnastics i have to do mm. so i got my fat pretty low for the last like five or six weeks and it's i'm not i'm not saying it is that mm-hmm. but i can say that is a variable that i've right. changed and uh oh, i'm just sleeping horribly mm-hmm. horribly i mean every night like clockwork around like you know three in the morning i'm dead dead asleep and then i'm i'm just up i wonder if you just i mean why not just uh see what a day looks like where you have like two egg yolks yeah you know two whole eggs or something you know yeah. add that little time i mean it's just a small serving could be that one little thing that that helps you go to sleep uh, a little bit better the other thing too that can help you go to sleep and i don't know what your schedule is but if again if like you where i started was just waking up a little earlier so maybe you just try to wake up a half an hour earlier you'll just be tired at the end you know at the end yeah. of the day you'll be tired until you have two or three or four day period where you're like man this sucks <laughs> but you'll get, get through it and then you should be able to... the other thing i used to do that was really awful for me is i would i wouldn't go to sleep i felt like i have i feel like i have a sleep window so if i go to bed if i go to if i get in my bed between eight and nine it feels like a really good time slot but if I miss that, I feel like I miss, I miss a window. Like if I try to go to bed at 11 and I, I always had a really, really hard time with that. And I never really knew that about myself. Hmm. I just ignored it for many, many years. And you know, 11 would turn into like one, 
<laughs> and then that's like when I would actually fall asleep. And then I, you know, I, I wasn't up as early uh, back then, so it was a little different. Plus, I was fucking fat too. I had sleep apnea, so whatever <laughs> whatever rest I was getting, like, was probably just a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> Were you in my bed? Yeah. 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 What, what, how are you sleeping so good? Are you just militant about it? Just I, yeah. I just don't great. play around. Uh, yeah. He trains I, twice a day, pretty much, right? Pretty much, but I don't like. Uh, Should I train twice a day? I sleep like crap. <laughs> yeah. No, but the thing is, is like. I don't have a set time where I have to get up. So like if I go to sleep at 10 or 11, I will absolutely get those eight hours. If I wake up earlier than that, like I wake up at, let's say I go to sleep at 10 and wake up at, I don't know, four or five, I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. I don't I don't have an alarm either. I don't do alarm clocks. So I just really? let my, I, I let myself, <laughs> some people listen to this, like I hate you, but yeah, I let myself wake up and it's usually around eight hours, like boom, I'm up and I'm good. There's got to be some science behind how much more beneficial it is to kind of gradually come out of sleep than it is to go from like a dead slumber to like some, eh, some, eh, e- yeah, some, eh. ED- some EDM music playing on your <laughs> cell phone, like jolting you out of bed. Like yeah. that can't be, sometimes I'll, that'll happen to me and I'll wake up and my heart's like racing. Oh, I'm like, I don't think this out. is, I don't think this is healthy. Yeah, heart, yeah. heart attacks actually go up like a, a huge percentage when we, um, like the time change or whatever. Daylight savings. Time. Daylight savings. Yeah. That very for next day it really? goes up, it goes up like 40%. Yeah, and, and most yeah. of them happen on like a Monday, yeah. which is like, now you have a responsibility to wake up. Right? There's some doctors out there yeah. that listen to this podcast, like listen to these idiots talk about alarm clocks dude this is a well-known yeah. thing you know and i'm we're, yeah. we're just up here just drinking protein shakes talking about training like yeah i don't know i don't think this alarm thing's helping me <laughs> Yo, are you, let me ask you this are your carbs super low too right no, now no 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 they're pretty yeah pretty they're, they're pretty high i'm guessing they're about your body with, weight or something yeah, right yeah that's up with your performance yeah i i just i think because of the nature of crossfit um I mean, this is like a pretty well-known thing you need some carbs yes um i remember the workout that I was still doing the carnivore diet. It was a squat clean, burpee, toe-to-bar workout. And in the middle of the workout, not at the end, mm. I was flat-backed. And my training partner, who is an absolute savage, um, came over to me and he was like, yeah, we need to talk about your diet, dude. And I was like, no, come on, man. Carbs are going to make me fat. Can't do it. And he's like, he's like man, you're, you're putting some volume in. You know the other thing I noticed when I put some carbs in and I, I don't have, you know, I don't have dr andy galpin's background to talk about this but i I do get body work done every single day Mm -hmm. um so i'll I'll do a morning training session usually i'll have body work done and then i'll uh, i'll train crazy get done every day every day that's awesome yeah i mean i i'm i'm a freak about my my rehab but um i noticed some quality of my tissue got a lot better just like being hydrated and being a little bit more supple and Mm -hmm. kind of less tone in my tissue um I, i work with these guys um inside of our gym extraordinarily uh, high, like kind of like high high end performance guys. They do kind of just this absolute next level training, everything from respiratory training to um, they, they put tissue monitors on me. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of Moxie device where mm-hmm. it monitor. Yeah. So they put Moxies on you where it monitors oxygen in your tissue. Yeah. Um, they put Neuroxin monitors on the backs of my legs to kind of see which of my muscles are firing from like an EMG current kind of perspective. Do they, uh, along with like the tissue work, like the soft tissue massage type stuff, do they help stretch and stuff too? Um, so they'll do, they're not as much stretching, but they'll mm-hmm. do a lot of, uh, what, what they will do is, is they'll have me use a respiratory device, um, an NX, 
and we'll we'll stretch and we'll kind of move in different positions. And the respiratory device gives you a cadence that you breathe in and out of. So you're breathing in and out of moving into positions. Oh, cool. Um, but these guys use sounds awesome. It's yeah. it's really I'll I'll show you guys some videos. But these guys use this device called an Omega Wave. So I'll yeah, walk. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, those are amazing. So I'll walk in. But the thing that they do that's really cool is, and I think that's it's a, uh, Joel Jameson knows how to get down with that shit. Yeah, the way we get, we're able to kind of train different modalities by using this device because we'll walk in and they'll measure. They put a. You, you kind of looking at me like you're kind of interested. So yeah. I'll tell you, you put a you put a, a sensor on your forehead, you put a sensor on your hand, and then you have a sensor a chest wrap. And uh, yeah, there it is right there. And. Uh, it measures your DC potential, your HRV. It measures your detox, your hormonal systems. It measures your uh, kind of your heart health, where your heart's at that day. And so these guys will literally, after an Omega Wave session, um, they'll either they'll program the workout that day, or they'll be like, "Well, your cardiac is a little bit taxed and fatigued right now, but your DC potential is really high. So this is a day we're going to lift heavy." Um, but we probably need to hit some body work first. How how uh, in line has that been in your experience? It's that machine does not lie. It'll even give you a metabolic. So, it'll even give you a metabolic rating. So if you go in under fueled, they'll be like, "Well, your metabolic system's tanked today, and you know it doesn't look like you have any DC potential. So we're absolutely not going to lift, but we can do a progressive DSAT, you know, cardio session have on they the done bike. Different things where maybe they don't tell you like what the result is, or you know, like they're trying to really see, like you know, they're trying to really see how true the thing is. I'm sure there's been a lot of research on it. I, I'm well aware of the omega omega wave, but I'm asking, you know, in your own experience, uh, how they have they ever asked you, you know, do you feel like lifting heavy today? And that doesn't match up with like the results of the test or whatever. They'll ask me stuff. Um, well, I feel like lifting heavy every day, just right, like just right, like right. you do. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, there there are days that I will uh, I'll be like, yeah, I really want to go heavy, and they're like, dude, your DC potential is like negative fifteen. Mm-hmm. And so we'll do some body work, and then I'll get up, and then I'll sit there for a second, and I'm like. Yeah, I probably don't have it today. (laughs) But the thing that's cool is, is with that device, um, you know, then we can go, we can go do other type of programming. These guys are, these guys are amazing. Um, Train Adapt Evolve in, in, in Austin. They're, these guys, if you ever, in SEMA, if you ever look them up, they train all kinds of guys all, all around the place. I know you're well aware of the technology, but um, these guys are, are, I think they've just got back from um, being in overseas. They're working with a bunch of Premier League soccer teams. Mm-hmm. They're doing a bunch of consulting with those guys. Yeah, Joel um, Jameson, who used to train, uh, I think he still does. He trains uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson. Um, he was a big proponent of like the Omega Wave and the HRV. Have you have you messed around with HRV stuff at all? Not at all. The heart rate, absolutely not. No. Heart rate variability not, not stuff. A, I'm not like against that. Just no. Out. Yeah, I think that would be. I'm just surprised I never even mentioned it to you. I, that would be something that you would dig. You'd be like, oh, this is fucking cool. It's kind of crazy though because the thing with <laughs> HRV is, is like as I understand it, Mark's HRV might be a 95. Mine, mine might be a 175. But that doesn't mean I have better HRV than Mark. It's on, as I understand it, right. it's, it's relative only to yourself. It's yeah, it's relative to your own ha- yeah. heart rate variability. Yeah, yeah. So if you went from a ninety-five to a one thirty, then it's like, right. hey, great. Um, but you know, we're not necessarily comparable. Right. Um, so, anyways, back to the carbs. Yeah, I think the carbs have really helped my tissue health, okay. and um, I know they've helped my recovery. And I can definitely notice days where I come in, and if I'm if I haven't titrated enough carbohydrate going into the workout and I get on the omega wave. Yeah. Um, a lot of times my metabolic rating's really down. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't link days together, I can notice that um, like my hormonal system will be really down and tank. And that's 
typically not great for workouts. Yeah. Because sometimes, um, sometimes I'm hitting two, two, maybe three sessions in a day with body work in between there. Um, yeah. And these guys are amazing on, on the table. I mean, they'll, the amount of times that I've gone in there and they're like, I'll just walk in and they're like, well, you got a rib popped out, your sacrum's off and oh yep, we're going to need to line you up. And you're like, what? I'm like, what are you, great. yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they like, you know, lift your arm above your head and like push right here. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, um, but it is amazing if, if like anybody that's listening that hasn't gotten body work done, like by a true professional, I mean, I think yeah. it's, it's a game changer. I mean, what it's done for mobility Ron and all that. Yeah. 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 Our buddy Ron Penna, he grilled us on that too. He oh, like gets mad at you. Like he looks at you, he's like, have you gotten body work done? You're like, uh. <laughs> I mean, that soft tissue stuff is, it's, it really is yeah. unbelievable. And, yeah. the, and somebody that's like bound up, like, you, you know, you and I are kind of a lot of like, somebody that's really tight. Yeah. If you get some, like you probably wouldn't be a great candidate for a ton of tissue work because you're very mobile. But like guys like you and I, you get it a couple times and you're tight enough that mm-hmm. you hold a lot of times, right. you know, you get adjusted and you hold, right. um, guys that are super mobile, you know, they kind of get adjusted. We're like a, we're like a $2 steak. <laughs> yeah. you know? We're really rough and like yeah. hard to rip apart. <laughs> they, they get, up, they get up off the table. The mobile guys, like, you know, you probably doing all the jujitsu and everything. You probably yeah. get up off the table and fall right back into the other position. But <laughs> they move one thing on me. I'm all right. I'm good to go. You know? But, uh, yeah, I, that, I think that's, I, I was listening to Rich Froning the other day. He was talking mm. about how, like, just recently he's gotten really into a lot of that body work and tissue work. And, Isn't like, that crazy? All the times he's winning the games, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, I got I got a little dry needling done or this or that. And it's like, you look at the volume, that that just yeah. goes to show you what an absolute freak savage that guy is. Mm-hmm. For some of those people, I think you'd have to be, you know, they'd, they'd have to be really receptive to the technology yeah. I mean, for it to really be effective probably because – they don't want something telling them something different, especially Rich. Rich Froning's pretty. He's pretty simple, and he's a beast. Yeah, he's an animal. But the same thing, like the guy that I, the guy that I train with, um, like my training partner, he did exactly what you were talking about. He he would he would get on the Omega Wave, and he would just tell the guys, "Yeah, don't tell me, just don't tell me what it says." Right. He just wouldn't want to know. He'd be like, "Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hit this, but if you guys want to like overlay the data, check stuff out. That's fine." But yeah. He's just like, "Nah, I don't need to know." Yeah, like they just walk over and like, hey, you should do sets of six, sets of eight. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Well, it turns out it turns out I'm into the set of nineteen. So what do you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I I've messed around with the carbs a little bit. The protein, keeping the protein high. Um, you know, I, I think that's just that's just a given. But we all know there's a, that's a, that's one of those like table yeah. stakes. I don't think anybody here is going to debate, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much protein and how much higher to go? I mean, I think kind of depends on like what you were talking about, like which calculator you follow, yeah, or you know, right. it's just kind of what feels yeah, what feels good for me. I'm a, I, I eat about 275 grams a day, which okay. is which is kind of a lot. That's good amount. It's kind <laughs> of a lot. Yeah. Um, I think when you start getting over 250, and I'll just, I'll be honest about it. I mean, when you get over 250, it, it's hard to it's hard to chew that right. much you're drinking some you're drinking some protein at that mm-hmm. point um which you know my, my our friend dr baker would not be a huge fan of sorry sean um yeah i mean i yeah, I have a shake or something that's kind of the only way I how do you that. get your protein because that's an enormous amount so you have like some really for, lean forms of meat yeah so i probably am like a pound a pound or a pound and a half of like 96 four ground beef i eat a couple of the uh couple of vertical meals, but I use the bison that Stan makes, um, egg whites. Tuna. Um, yeah, a little bit of tuna seafood. Um, seafood is nice to kind of break it up a little bit. Tons of rice, sweet potatoes, spinach. Um, and yeah, then I'll do a shake. I love yeah. that Stan is teaching people to eat more. It, we're God, isn't that I love, great? I just love that. Like, yeah. I just think there's so many people that are so 
fearful. I know so many people that are counting the calories and they, they all seem to be on a similar, similar caloric path <laughs> and they're very scared to like eat over, you know, 1800 calories or 2000 calories. And I'm like, man, like you've been stuck in the same spot forever. I'd love to see just, just for a little while, just try to eat 2800 calories for yeah. a little bit and just see how you feel. And maybe you'll land on a different caloric intake and maybe, maybe you have uh, maybe your metabolism has changed and maybe you're not feeding yourself what you, what you should be. You know, I think a lot of people are doing that. Not, uh, not science backed comment, you know, PSA, Chris and I were talking yesterday or two, not yesterday, a couple days ago. Um, it's funny when people talk about caloric load benefits and, uh, biggest meathead comment maybe that I'm going to make today. Uh, if you look at, uh, people that are in the fasting camp, why people fast. If you look at people that, you know, are looking for, you know, caloric deficits, you're looking for people that are looking for cellular autophagy, you're looking for people that are look, looking for better insulin sensitivity, you look at people that are looking for better lean muscle mass, you look at for people that are doing anything and they're saying, and they're and basically using dietary intervention for all that. Well, or you could just train really hard. And basically all that stuff happens, right? Yeah. Like, you know. You want to, you want to improve all of those markers. You mm-hmm. want to create a caloric deficit. Train. You want, you know you want to upregulate growth hormone. Train. You want to create a caloric deficit. Train. You know you want to turn some cells some cells over. Train. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's and true. so Stan's whole thing, right, is like, hey, fuel, and then train, which is that's so what, simple. That's what I love about it is he's providing people enough, and maybe even then some in some cases uh, to to fuel their workouts. And I think that we have been underselling. The workout. I think one thing that makes Encima so impressive is the fact that, you know, he Andrew is mentioning how diehard he is to his sleep, but he's very diehard to the way that he trains. And it's not like he's not going to come in here and just like he's not going to tear the building apart. He's going to do what he's supposed to do for that particular day. And it's like that's the discipline. That's the hard part. You know, a lot of us can be like a knucklehead here and there and roll the dice and be like, I want to, <laughs> I want to try this. Yeah, it doesn't always make the most sense. That's not really the that's not the best way to get ahead. You know, while I realize that I also like to have fun and it's fun for me to kind of like mix things up. But also I mentioned, I've learned, like I'm not going to take what's not there. So if, if something's not there, I ain't going to go for it. Isn't it crazy how certain weights feel different on different days? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you're probably too, too damn young and vibrant to feel that, but I'm telling Wait, you. How old are you? 24. Oh, snap. Okay. So I'm just. No, but I feel that too. I mean, you get in there and 225 feels right, and then you just keep going. Man, sometimes I can tell when I'm picking the bar up off the rack what kind of yeah. day it's going to be. <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I'm picking the bar up and I'm walking it over the squat cage, I'm like, it's going to be a rough one today. I can feel that sometimes I'll pick up a 45. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, that <laughs> seems like a 100 pound plate. You know? who, like, slid, who doubled up the plates? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's not going to you know work out great. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that way. I mean, and that's that's the importance of of paying attention to how many exercises you're doing and how hard you're you're going at it because if you those three extra things that you wanted to do on your way out the door that weren't really purposeful <laughs> or meaningful they may not bother you the next day but they could potentially bother you later in the week and you're yeah. not really paying attention to it. You're like, man, why's my grip suck today? Well, maybe you did some farmer's carries on Monday that you fucking forgot about. Yeah, you know? maybe you smoked your forearms and yeah. it turns out, you know, gripping the uh, gripping the the door jam or something right. on your car is going to hurt. You yeah, know? your shoulders, your elbows, all your smaller joints and stuff too, they can be compromised. You just, we're moving around a lot. Yeah. You know, somebody else on this podcast, I can't remember who said it, but they're like, everyone at this table has lifted more weights than anyone in like human history like not 
not pounds wise necessarily, but the amount of repetitions that we do, mm. you know, we're trying to have like, I guess this form of like artificial exercise. Cause we used to do other shit. We used to like dig ditches and stuff. <laughs> like carry rocks and build, right. build shit. But yeah. the amount of reps and the amount of weights that we handle is extremely excessive. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not even, I mean, the yoke walks and the farmer's carries and the shoulder presses and benches and squats and so on. Right. It just goes on down the line. We've done millions of reps probably. Yeah. Do you, are you, are you like powerlift, bodybuild and, uh, kind of that jujitsu? Yeah. Jujitsu all in one kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like, damn. So the thing is, it's like, I'm not competing in powerlifting right now or competing in bodybuilding. You got a 600, you got a 600 pound deadlift. You're not competing in anything. Yeah but, the, yeah. but the thing is, those are parts of the training. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'm, I incorporate and I maintain those in my training because like I enjoy training that way. And it helps jujitsu out. Like yeah. it just, so it just works. Jits is the main goal and then everything else kind competing, of competing. Yeah. Competing in jujitsu is the main thing. Um, I train jujitsu every day and I lift. There are a few days during the week where I have double days, you know, where yeah. I have like, um, lifting, like today's going to be a lifting and then jujitsu day afterwards. So it just goes really well together. But I, that's why, like Mark mentioned, I just got to be smart about what I'm doing in the gym, because if I go too hard on one day, that's really going to affect my workout later on. You know? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, jujitsu is one of those like fringe things that I, f- not, fr- I'm sorry, let me back up. Not one of those fringe <laughs> things. It's one of those things that like most people that are training really hard nowadays are either getting into, want to get into, or have like one foot in. Yeah. Right. I feel like almost everybody that I run into at a gym is like, either aspiring to get into jujitsu or is already doing it or yeah. is like, God, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of going a couple days a week. Um, gosh, I think that must just be a great workout. Some of the biggest savages I train with are like, yeah, I do jujitsu twice a week. You know, like, you mentioned you got pretty sore in the beginning, right? Yeah. That's the thing that like you, you adapt to it. Initially it was like the hardest thing ever. Like every single day I was just like super, super sore. But when you get used to all the movements you do, cause you get like your body's being moved in all these different possessions that you haven't been put into. But after a few months, you just get used to that and it doesn't feel, it's just like when you first start lifting. I'm a hundred percent convinced I would snap in half. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I watched, I watched one. Yeah. I I watched my, I watched the guy that I train with do jujitsu. And I think, is it, is it like an overtime where the person gets behind you? Basically like you're sitting on the ground and the person gets behind you. And then they say like three, two, one go. And like, that's a a drill. You have a second to like get out of it. Yeah. That that's one of the drills. Like, so I'm watching him do, do this and i'm like the guy is one dude is sitting on his butt and the other guy gets behind him and like a headlock and three two one go and the dude behind him just rips back and i'm like okay i would literally snap in half like there's no chance and the guy that the guy that i train with is like he's 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 made of something different but he uh and and i was like how are you doing this like it just looks intense man yeah no like but that's the thing like i've been noticing even these past few years there are a lot of lifters and a lot of strength athletes that are starting to get into it and doing really really well competing in it because the there's uh the subculture in jujitsu is all about oh you don't you know you just need technique right but then you have these athletes that come in that are using technique and then they're messing people up because like they're already inherently strong, but now they're developing all that technique and stuff. So you would do well. Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, you actually, you really would. Um, but it just takes, it takes time to get, you know, get used to the guy that I, the guy that I am, that I work out with, he's, uh, he's, he's 25, mm-hmm. um, 26 CrossFit games athlete. He's been a couple times. Oh. He's getting ready to go into the seals. He's an absolute freak. Probably one of the only guys I've ever met in my life that uh, he can snatch 260 pounds, drop the bar, go run three miles, hop up on yeah. hop up on the rings, do like you know 19 muscle ups. You know, one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Great, you know, guy doesn't get sore. Great tissue. 
absolute savage. I went and watched him do jujitsu. He's hyper mobile. Um, and he, he messes some people up and the dudes will get off the mat and they're like, I've never been somebody so strong. You're so heavy. And he's not a huge guy. I mean, he's, yeah. he's probably like six foot two twenty, mm-hmm. uh, absolute freak. But, uh, he, he just, he pretty much was like, I mean, I guess when you're 24, 25 and you've already been to the games, you know, you've already mm-hmm. been to CrossFit games and you've kind of gotten done regionals and everything. You're like, ah, eh, I'm kind of over that. Right. And that's kind of what he did. He's like, yeah, okay. CrossFit's cool, but I'm going to go, you know, kill some people in the seals and, you know, do jujitsu. And so, that, sounds awesome. so yeah. that's like what he does now. Yeah. Um, and he's, and he just crushes people. So just like you're talking about, like real mobile, real strong. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I think he probably would admit he's still working on his technique, but yeah, no, it just takes time. But I'm curious, like, because you mentioned you're getting ready for a competition. What is the competition? Is it a games competition, like CrossFit, or is it it's, something? Yeah, else? it's a CrossFit competition. Okay. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing insane. It's just you know, in Austin, it's Austin is a is a fairly active city. Um, I mean, everybody's in pretty good shape. So I'm just getting ready for a local comp that we're doing at the in Austin, and uh, it's you know like five events, one day guy girl combo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the workouts are pretty intense, and they're pretty demanding. Um, it's the, this workout, this, uh, series of workouts that we're doing is it's kind of geared to eliminate a lot of people, I think from being a part of it because there's heavy weight demand, but there's also heavy gymnastics demand. Um, and most people that can move the weight sometimes can't do the gymnastics stuff or don't have the engine do a lot of the cardio Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, the, I've, I've showed these, I've showed both these guys videos. The, the gal that I'm partnered up with is, it's probably the best athlete at our gym. Um, wow. I mean, I can't keep up with her. Um, and I mean, I think I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, a, she's absolutely, she's an animal. I mean, there are, there are, there are absolutely lifts, not pound for pound, literal lifts that like, I'm pretty sure she like jerks more than me, you know I mean? And she's, and I weigh 240, yeah. you know I mean? We did, we were testing some of the workouts the other day and like, you know, she rode 60 calories faster than I did <laughs> at the end of the workout. Cause I was just gassed out, Yeah, you know, like we were doing single, we were doing single arm dumbbell snatches after we got off the assault bike. She's doing it with 55 pounds, which most girls have a hard time picking up. Mm-hmm. She's repping it out. Is she like heavier? Like, no, no, no. She's jacked. She's like five ten and jacked. Okay. Okay. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's nuts and uh, she's going to carry the team. Let's put it that way. <laughs> She's going to carry us. Yeah. And why are you trying to get leaner? That's my question. Cause you're like, you, you're, you're getting but, lean because the, one of the workouts, I was just telling Mark this, one of the workouts opens with, um, you got to do 10 ring muscle ups to start the workout. So three, two, one, go, you got to do 10. Mm-hmm. She'll bang out seven. I'm going to have to do 10. Not a lot of guys that weigh 240 that are swinging from rings. Um, like the guy that I was talking about, that's going into the seals. Yeah. He'll, he'll do 19 in a minute. Jeez. Um, I'm going to struggle to get 10. So I'm in a, you know, in a, under a minute. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm getting ready for right now. That makes sense. Okay. Trying to keep that body weight down. So you're not so damn heavy. Trying to, man. I mean, it's funny, right? It's, it's funny. The reasons that people cut weight, like you were trying to cut weight to do that, to do your bench, Yeah. which I mean, that was, that was fun to watch. I'm trying to cut weight. Cause I just don't think like when you're 240 and you're like hanging from stuff, man, I get like my tendons and my elbows and like everything starts like pop and crack. It makes a huge difference. Dude, a couple pounds. Unreal. Right. I mean, did you, does it, it obviously it makes a huge difference when you're benching and stuff oh, like that yeah. too. Like yeah. you feel like 10 pound difference. Yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're lifting heavy like that, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, just being like bloated you know it helps a lot you know <laughs> yeah. just having a little extra body weight on you can help a lot i mean you can also just be jacked too right but 
um, that's harder. And then at my age, it's like harder to like, it's hard just to be like thick. So it, it helps to, um, it helps to have like some carbohydrates or it helps to get a little puffy for a competition. Yeah. I, uh, I think fueling for workouts like that is really challenging when you're going all day and you're going back to back to back to back to back. Um, it's an all day event, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so you do a workout and the workout might only be 15 minutes, but then you got a little bit of a break and you're just trying to like roll out, stay warm, you know, get some, get some sodium back in you, get a little, you know, glucose, fructose kind of thing going and just kind of get ready to go. And fueling for that's a real challenge. We were talking about some meat and you're a cook and, uh, let's give some people advice on, What's some great ways we can prepare our food? You know, you you were giving me some tips on the uh, crock pot, and uh, you know I pour bone broth in there, and you say, hey, another option is just to put the meat in in the crock pot by itself, and the uh, juices will draw out of it, and it'll be yeah. real juicy, and it'll taste really good uh, without even uh, putting any liquids in there, right? Yeah. So I think well, like the crock pot deal. One of the ways I would one of the ways I would cook it is I would take all the vegetables. Um, you can put them in a pan put them on a, on a sheet pan, roast them off, get a little color on them while you're roasting them off, take whatever you're tossing in the crock pot, put it on the grill and just see, you know, salt and pepper and just kind of sear it off. When those two things are done, the veg, the, the kind of the roasted veggies come out and the big roast comes off the grill, put it, put the roasted veggies on bottom in your crock pot and drop the kind of sear it off. Sounds meat. like we're going to start a crock pot restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> put, put the roasted meat on top and just cover it. And a lot of that kind of convection steam will help kind of break that meat down, pull some of the moisture out, and it'll start to cook in some of its own kind of its own juice. Um, that's really good. Um, that's just for convenience, by the way. That's not the easy. most optimal way to cook a steak. <laughs> yeah. What What are some of your favorite ways to uh, prepare a steak, and what's some of your favorite cuts? Um, I am a ribeye guy. Um, I haven't eaten a ribeye in so long because of the fat. Because it's fat. <laughs> yeah, I wish. It's just I like wish a giant stick of butter. It is. With some protein mixed in. We were talking to our friend last night when we were at dinner, and I was like, he was like, how many calories do you think are in? Because, you know, I get I immediately get labeled as the macro guy at the table. <laughs> you know, he's like, how many calories do you think are in that? I'm like, uh, you ate a 32-ounce uh, T-bone. I don't know, probably 2,200 or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, no way. I'm like, dude, steaks like, fatty cuts like that are like one-to-one. Like yeah. protein to fat. Um, I like ribeyes a lot. Um, the off cuts of meat that, that I like a lot. Um, I do like flat iron steaks. Um, I like steaks that are a little bit farther away from some of the inner organs. I think sometimes the closer to the organs you get, uh, the, the cut gets, it starts to taste a little bit metallic and almost irony. Um, I think stuff like a, like hanger steak and, um, skirt steak. Sometimes it can almost taste, uh, can almost like a little bit of that blood can almost kind of taste some of that, which I'm not a huge fan of. I don't mind connective tissue like you would see, like kind of eating some of that collagen and having a little bit of that chew is nice. Um, I think skirt steak's great on the grill. Um, each cut, I think, has a, uh, an optimal preparation, hmm. to be clear. Um, I think that like multi-cut steaks, like we were talking last night, I think T-bones are great and there's a lot of deals on them all the time, but I think it's really hard to nail a good temperature on it because you're essentially trying to cook two different cuts of meat at the same temperature, right? You're trying to cook a, a New York and a tenderloin essentially at the same temperature. And that's mm. really hard to do. Um, so I like ribeyes in a pan with some butter. Um, I like skirt steaks on the grill. Um, uh, like a filet, I'd probably reverse sear. So I'd probably cook it really, really low, 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 low in the oven and then pull it out and then finish it on the pan. Oh, um, that's I don't really, think I've ever tried that. that's really easy. It's really fun. Um, it's kind of like, 
it's kind of like hillbilly. Cook it really low in the oven. Yeah, so just take sear it. Yeah, so just take take the steak, season it up, put it on a like a a resting grate on top of a sheet tray, and pop it in the oven. And uh, that sounds fucking good. Bro, yeah. I feel like such a peasant. I just stick my rib behind the air fryer every single day. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> but the I air was, fryer I was, is great. Though. I was literally just gonna say, but. When when we go when we when we're at the house and we're yeah. cooking six seven ribeyes a day, it's air fried. Okay, yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a peasant. Makes carnivore, makes carnivore pretty easy. Yeah. you can hey, just rack up a couple of steaks. And quick then every air fryer, no joke. Quick, uh, quick steak hack though. Next time you go to knock knock some out in your air yeah. fryer, take your steak, toss it on a paper towel, season it liberally with more salt than you think you should. Okay, let it sit there, just chill. Um, Go do something else, prep some other stuff, come back. And when you look at the steak, when the top of the steak looks like it's uh, pooling with water, that is a good sign. What's happening is, is a lot of the moisture is getting pulled from the inside of the steak to the top. And so then what happens is the moisture hits the salt on top and kind of forms this brine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then if you let it sit a little bit longer, that pooling water will actually dissipate, but it's not like evaporating. It's going to suck back kind of into the meat. So you're kind of getting this like speed brine and you do that on both sides of the steak, then pop it in the air fryer. Yeah. Game change. Dude, that's where you want to that's be. tonight. Game change. <laughs> that's and tonight. also, also this is like just some like old school. That's a power bite. right Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> this is some old school, like, you know, chefy chef in me that is like, it's so funny sometimes when I tell people like, yeah, I'm a chef. And they look at me and they're like, yeah, freaking, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, never, uh, never trust a, a chef that's not fat. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I never grill um, or see. Like, I always finish with pepper. Okay. So, because I, I think pepper can get, take on a little bit of a burnt characteristic. So, cook everything and then do f- fresh cracked pepper on top. Never, never, never crack pepper and then throw it on the steak or on the on the grill. That's how yeah. I. That's how I roll. Um, other cuts of meat. I think that. Uh, a lot of people are the same way that I think people are scared of like liver and kidney and that kind of thing. I think some people can be afraid of off cuts of meat, stuff like, um, stuff like neck and shin mm. and, uh, like, um, cheeks. Yeah. All that Maybe stuff can be super tender, man. Some of the best, like oxtail, like dude, if you ever been to, a, yeah, you ever been to a really good restaurant and they serve oxtail. That is like, I, I mean, I have received boxes of oxtail in our restaurants and cooked them. I mean, it is literally a tail cut up yeah. and it's delicious. It, it sounds odd. It does sound odd. But it does taste good. I've it's had it it's yeah. unreal. It tastes like braised short rib. Yeah. You know, except for more tender. I've had, I grew up on oxtail. That was like a staple in my house. It's awesome, right? Yeah. Short ribs are like, I mean, short ribs of any kind, whether it's like Colby style where they're kind of cut down the side or whether they're, you know, bone in kind of big thick pieces. I think short ribs are amazing. I think those are great to braise. Braising meaning when you're cooking it low and slow, kind of covered in a pan, similar to a crock pot, but in an oven. Um, I also, gosh, I think ground beef is really good. Yeah, I, I just, do too. I'll do anything with, I mean, I'll ground beef in a pan, throw some mustard on there and just kind of burn it a little right, bit. Let's go in on this because I feel like a lot of people eat ground beef and you're the guy to talk to. So yeah. like, what are your best simple ways of making ground beef tasty? Uh or not even simple. It's just I like it really good. I, I like care. mustard. Yeah, right the mustard. See, I've never heard of that before. Mustard hey, fried. Hey, so yeah, yeah so never. so like all day. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just take the so I just take that ground beef and toss it in your pan. Like the, mm. what I'm talking about with the mustard, toss it in your pan, um, and kind of you know like one side of it will kind of start to get brown, and the top still looks like it's undercooked. Hit it with some mustard, and then flip it over and kind of toss it in. That's really tasty. Um, other ways I like to cook. I make, I do like a little blend of, uh, it's not anything like 
mind altering, but I do like uh, granulated garlic, granulated onion, paprika, cayenne, salt, pepper, mustard powder. I think that's really nice. If you add cumin into it, that'll make it taste a little bit like taco seasoning. Um, I think that's pretty tasty. Okay. I like I like all that stuff. Other ways for ground beef to taste really good. I mean, really the only way you can cook ground beef is in a pan. Yeah. Um, I I'm not a guy that adds extra fat to ground beef. I just don't think you need to. And that isn't a dietary preference. I just mm-hmm. think um, anytime you got beef cooking and beef fat, I think that's pretty tasty. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I would cook I would cook a fillet and tallow all day, but mm-hmm. you know that I think Epic makes the, their uh, their their beef tallow. Yeah, it's really good. <sighs> I mean, use that like butter on that stuff. I mean, it's okay. it's good. Um, what about um? How do we know uh, our meat's done? You know, how do we know we got it prepared the right way? Like, uh, you just uh, push your finger on it type of yeah. deal. Like, so, well done. <laughs> or I'm sorry, well done. Medium, yeah. or medium well, medium rare. So he's pointing to uh, the. Chunky tissue so that's much. like underneath the <laughs> so, yeah, so you go like, thumb muscle. So yeah, go, go, like, go like this, and you touch that. That's yeah. well done. Yep. That's midwell. That's medium. That's rare. Got it. And then he he went from his pinky all the way to his index finger, with the fingers connected. And as you get closer to your index finger, the uh, tissue, the muscle, yep. uh, your thumb uh, loosens up, and that's kind of the feel that you. Yeah, want. you know, I think that uh, a general a general rule is to you never want to stab or cut into your, you know, your whole meat right. when you're cooking it. Always let it, uh, you have to let it sit for a little while too, which yeah, is hard to do. It's the hardest thing to do, especially <laughs> oh, when you're, especially when you're a fat guy. Like you know, a uh, perfect like like the restaurants like the, the we'll go get steaks at. It doesn't matter like as much with a burger, but a steak it really no, doesn't matter yeah, a lot, right? It, so at one of my restaurants, we used to rest the steaks. This is going to sound really well. Back then, it probably would have sounded really gross. Now it's going to sound really delicious. We would have the uh, they're called ninth pans. We'd have a ninth pan of melted clarified butter and most people rest steaks just like on a tray under heat lamp we would actually take the steaks and we would rest them inside warm warm butter (laughs) so they would just sit there for like three minutes and then we'd pull them out and then we would season them with with rock salt and then we would slice them wow in a perfect world you most likely would rest the steak as long as it's cooked that's usually a good rule of thumb so if it takes 10 minutes to cook the steak Sometimes you can tent it, meaning like take some foil and just kind of put it over there a little bit, not too tight because you don't want it to keep cooking. But uh, ten minute cook, ten minute rest, hmm. usually the good yeah. best rule of thumb. But that's when you got to go do your ten minute walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, admittedly, I can't tell you the last time I properly rested a steak. <laughs> then though, you know, so um, yeah, but, you always have to keep keep crunching on it. Yeah. Exactly. What about uh, something to throw on the burger, like cheese or something? You got Ooh. like some favorite cheeses or favorite things that you throw on there? <laughs> Spice her up a little bit. Yeah, I uh, for I'm so simple, man. I'm I'm like the most that's boring a, chef. That's okay. But um, my favorite cheese on a burger. Well, I tell you, this is the fat guy. I mean, I put uh, I put peanut butter on a burger. Wow, I've never tried that. What? Put, I've heard of that put, before, but I never put, put peanut butter on a burger. Change your life. <laughs> peanut butter and bananas. I'll do it right now. <laughs> peanut butter, bananas. What else? The the patty. So, yeah, patty and some cheese. We ran that special at Hop Daddy. It's called the Elvis Burger. We what? ran that. Peanut butter on a burger is pretty out there. It's pretty delicious. Um, I do that. You'd be surprised. I mean, peanut good. butter is delicious. Yeah, and so yeah, are hamburgers. Yeah. So it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> you, you'd, be, you, you'd actually probably be surprised how good. Um, if you got to find the right one. I wouldn't go get like Smucker's. Peanut butter burger. I wouldn't get like Smucker's raspberry, but jam actually is yeah. not bad on a burger. You get like some jam with a little arugula. Mm. 
and like some mayo. It's actually probably, that'd be really tasty. Um, I like if, if it's a, if I took a leaner cut of beef, like if I had a bison burger or I had something, um, some really like lean, lean ground beef, sometimes I'd like to kind of round that out with like either a really briny cheese or a really fatty cheese. So like I'd do brie. Brie would be really nice on mm. that. I mean, I think that's a pretty common yeah. kind of combination. Dude, yeah. You should make a cookbook about yeah, I'm not that good, but I wish. <laughs> make a meathead cookbook. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All the recipes for meatheads. Sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, li- I like the most crazy thing I think I'd put on a burger. Sounds like peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter is pretty good, man. I've never even heard of that until now. That's you crazy. got you're gonna you're gonna make a peanut butter burger tomorrow, and you're gonna tag me in it, and you're gonna be like mind blown. And then you see me a few weeks later, I'm 15 pounds overweight. Yeah, Matt, <laughs> Matt just put peanut butter on my burger. <laughs> What's up with uh, aged meats? What's up with that? Uh, I think there's a lot of debates out there. There's you know there's the you know how there's like Tennessee barbecue and there's Texas barbecue mm-hmm. and those guys like viciously hate each other kind of thing. You know, one place uses smoke, one place uses mustard, one place uses, you know, wet rub, dry rub, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing with aged meat. So aged meat, um, there's, you know, wet aging and dry aging. Um, I'm a wet age guy. I think the flavor is a little bit better. Dry aging, um, you're basically just trying to create a more condensed meat flavor. Um, and it, it kind of makes sense, right? If the steak starts out this big and you dry age it, it's going to start to shrink mm. and then you're gonna have to cut off some of the outside of it. So you're going to get this really, really dense, really, 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 really meaty flavor. Um, that is going to result in a lot of moisture being pulled out, but when you cook it, it's going to be a little bit more tender. You have to be really careful not to overcook dry aged meat, obviously. Um, bang for your buck. Is it worth it? If you're indulging, probably, maybe, but I mean, in my book, I'd rather eat, again, I'm a volume guy, I guess. I'd rather eat, you know, four good ribeyes than, you know, one really right. crazy dry aged one. I think they're, um, I think, don't get me wrong though, I think they're good. I would probably only eat a dry aged ribeye though. Mm. Just me. Right. Because of the fat that's in there, it'll, right. it'll 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 cook up a little bit nicer, and it just kind of tastes old, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it has a tiny bit of that. There's in also there. there's also there's a window on dry aging too, right? And everybody's flavor profile there's a little bit different. Where you know, if all three of us were to just run a control experiment of like, hey, I'm going to dry age this beef, you're going to dry age this beef, and we're all going to stop dry aging it at a certain point based on our flavor profile it would come out very different. So the way that I, where, where I take the dry age to might be drastically different than where you take it to. So sometimes it's kind of a disappointment. You go to a yeah. really, really nice restaurant and you're like, Oh God, I just got the $150 dry age tomahawk. And you're like, ah, I kind of, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was good. Um, I, I don't know. I think that, uh, but sometimes you hit it and it's just right. And you're like, that's ah, sweeter than you. You know, you're just like, that's unbelievable. What's it like tasting all these foods? Cause that's, I mean, I don't know if that's part of your job now. Yeah, but it's probably part of your job at some point. At least. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Chris. Chris, was, I can't have any more fat. Chris, exactly. <laughs> Chris was at a taste. Oh, there it is. There's the Elvis burger right there. Oh yeah, got peanut butter, um, IPA peanut butter on there. Actually, we took beer and whipped. Have you it had a peanut butter burger? No. <laughs> you haven't even hooked him up. Yeah, hey, hook your brother up. He's only been to Austin a couple times to come have Hobdotty, but uh, ah. Chris, yeah, he has got an egg on it too, or what? No, that's uh, uh, it's just uh, it's um, banana, bananas and oh, uh, wow. and mayonnaise on the okay. bottom. Yeah, um, dude, that's like a Sunday and a burger all rolled into <laughs> one. Wow. Life changing, right there. Um, tasting all the meats pretty fun. 
it's pretty cool. We get to meet we we get to meet a lot of different um, vendors. Right now we're um, we're, we're just you know we're we're happy with our our vendors, but we're always tasting and looking at yeah. different stuff. Bacon's actually crazy right now. I know this is like a, a ruminant animal crowd around here, but um, there's a swine flu in oh, no. in China that took out. To give you perspective, they are putting down um, more hogs in China than we have in the United States. Wow. So if you guys Jeez. like bacon, I'd start buying it and freezing it now. Bacon shortage. It, I'm not joking. How about there's, pork belly? There's gonna, well, pork belly and bacon are the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be huge oh, no. price spikes on that. Mm. I have a question for you, actually. Andrew, have what you heard the- of a like... There's there's something I heard a few months ago where the I don't know the oversight of pork or whatever those products it's going to be less stringent, right? Have, have you heard about that or no? No, but what, what's okay, it referring maybe I'm to? Tripping. Do you know what I'm talking about right mm-hmm. now? You know what? Wait, just so so they're just they're, they're, give me some Google search like, terms I could find. They're not yeah. they're not going to be looking into the the, and, the humanity behind it or kind of the the feeding of it the, as much. Not just the feeding. It's like um the sustainability. <sighs> Let's just say that, like the pork or the the bacon or the pork that you might get might not be as safe. Let's just say to eat. Hmm. I'm not sure what that is though, because it was a few months ago, and I can't remember it. I wonder if I wonder if this has anything to do with the same thing that we're talking about. Yeah, Yeah, maybe it does. I'm wondering if that, like, you need to be more careful with that now. Talking about dry aging, actually, and and now that we're kind of parlaying this into pork, what I will tell you is, I would probably go out of my way for like really, really, really designer pork more than I would go out of my way for designer beef. And I don't really even like pork that much. What's designer beef? I mean, <laughs> or pork, but you know what I'm saying? Like instead of dry you aged, mean like high end, I'm saying like, um, there's this company back. Uh, I think they're based out of Oregon that we used to deal with at one of my restaurants, uh, um, tails and trotters. And they, it was basically like, if you imagine like the Wagyu of pork, the last like eight weeks they're alive, they like only feed them like macadamia nuts. Wow. And this pork is just insane, right? So you get the pork belly from it and the fat caps like this big. Oh, and sometimes with bacon and pork belly, like you're talking about, it really depends macadamia on- Macadamia nuts are expensive. Right? <laughs> that's why it's pork. That's why the restaurant isn't there anymore, man. Imagine yeah. buying the pork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but so this is kind of where the butchery comes in because these guys would sell you the bacon and they almost wouldn't even care about the ribs. Because think about it, when you there's a limited amount of meat on an animal. So when you're if you cut too deep into one muscle to make another muscle bigger, mm. you're kind of you know like if you cut too much into the rib meat to get yourself more pork belly. Yeah, these guys are this stuff's just insane. Um, so like this kind of uh, oh, this that looks really this good. kind of pork's insane. Or like mangalitsa, if you guys ever have come across that, wow. um, any of this. Or hazelnut. I said mac nut. Oh, it's hazelnut. Um, so pork like that are really, really like Duroc farms or like heritage pork. Um, I think some of that stuff is you, you get a more nuanced kind of bang for your buck flavor when you go for something really high end. Mm. Um, the other thing that's really cool about pork is you can you can impart a little bit more flavor into it, meaning like you can brine it and do a little bit more to it than you can a steak a lot of times. So to deal with like no nitrates. You know, when some of the bacon has like no nitrates and things like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, we don't really, I, I don't really worry about too much of that in, in the kind of the commodity it world that we easier. play in. It cooks yeah. easier when it, uh, when it has the nitrates in it, it seems like, and it seems like it has a little more pop. 
yeah. it probably lasts a lot longer. That's probably the reason for the nitrates, right? Yeah, it's a cure. It's all that stuff's just to kind of cure it. So there's that cured bacon, uncured bacon, and that's it's kind of the similar similar camp, right? Do you cure it? Do you smoke it? Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with that, you just have to watch out for sometimes is the ratios. But a lot of times you'll ruin the bacon before you'll make somebody sick with right. nitrates and that kind of thing. Right. So. Um, you know, I'm, I've never really, um, we've, we've made our own bacon many a times and it's really, really tasty. I think it's cool when you make your own bacon, you can control the thickness uh, of the cut. Yeah. So you can get them like, you know, called like lardons. You make big kind of thick, <laughs> thick hunks of it. Gives you a lardon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, get, yeah. Eat this bacon. It'll give you a lardon. <laughs> yeah. How do we make bacon steak? Remember that stuff, Mark? Yeah. That was that, uh, uh, shit. What's the name of that um, restaurant? Uh, it's gotta be Morton's, right? Morton's there. Yeah. You yeah, bacon steaks. Those were good. It's basically just pork belly, I believe. Yeah, big old giant thick cut of bacon. Yeah, so no, we would, yeah. So we would take pork belly. We, we would take <laughs> really good. We would take pork belly like this, and we would take a dish, and we would uh, like a a pan, and we would submerge it in uh, pork stock, and we would cover the top of the pan, and we would braise it. So you'd have the pork belly would be the you know the pans up here, the pork belly's right here. So this part right here would get braised really tender, like pulled pork. And this part would not, and you'd, we'd, we'd braise it for about two hours and we would pull the, um, kind of the covering off and we would expose that top fat cap and it'd get really crispy and crunchy. We'd pull it out of there and we'd plate it like a, like a, uh, pork belly steak. You'd have the top that would be like literal, like chicharron crunchy. And then as you kind of bite into it, it'd be like pulled pork tender, like this steaky, del- just deliciousness. That was pretty good. Dude. They sound really good. Really hey, good. so we, Chris and I talked about this a while ago. We need to get our boy Gavin up here, and we just need to all, we just need to throw down. Yeah. We just need to throw down at Super Training. Just have a me and Gavin uh, just start cooking awesome. and do a little cookout. Gavin, if you're listening, come up and visit. Let's yeah, let's that cook. Would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, my monster mash looks like bullshit now. <laughs> like all the food I cook now is yeah. just like not yeah. up to par. Is there a way to make you know, spruce up monster mash that you guys use? Um, I'd take all stands meals off the truck and just eat them. Mm. And I think they're freaking. These guys love them. I think they're freaking delicious. But I thought they did a good job too. Yeah. But um, two things that I'll add into them every now and again. um, This goes back to the hyper palatability and then kind of knowing your macros and that kind of thing. Um, For a while, um, Coco Secret makes these coconut aminos that are, it's basically like soy sauce, but it's without soy yeah, oh and it's yeah, gluten free. Friggin' delicious, man. Unreal. So I'll put Coco Secret on there sometimes. Um, not There's not a huge caloric kind of load to it. I think there's like 10 calories per tablespoon or something like that. They have a teriyaki sauce that's pretty good. That's like 60 calories or something like that. Um, I like, I like the um, Green Valley organic sour cream. Sometimes I'll throw that on there. But again, you start throwing a couple tablespoons of that, you know, it's got some fat in it. Next thing you know, you got 130 extra calories on there. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather eat the two pints of blueberries, you know. So those make Monster Mash taste really good. Um, I honestly just salt the hell out of it, yeah. you know. And then that that kind of just makes it so, you know, you don't overeat. You yeah, just, Stan you know. did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically just rice, ground beef, or, or bison, um, and uh, some... Uh, Beef tallow, I yeah. think, and then uh, bone broth, I think, right? Yeah, he soaks yeah. the rice in bone broth. There's already Himalayan salt in there, yeah. I think. All the veggies are cooked in that. Have you have you tried the the actual vertical meals? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. I had the the 
most recent one I had was with um, sweet potato. Yeah. And like I couldn't understand what I was eating because I'm like, oh, this tastes way better than what like my normal, like, you know, just meat and rice. But um, sweet my, potato and carrots sometimes yeah. are frozen there even. It just depends on it. He's got a lot of different versions. It was like a really yeah. good texture thing yeah. too. You know, it's a little different. He, that Yukon Gold. Yeah. He turned me on to the Yukon Gold ones, man. You get the, the bison with the Yukon Gold. I mean, maybe it's just because I've been in like. Oh, Depri- yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because I've been in deprivation from flavors like that for so long. But man, I took a bite of that. I thought I was eating French fries. I was like, "Oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever yeah. had." The Yukon Gold one's really good. Yeah. He does the world's strongest mash one. That's like twelve hundred yeah. calorie, two bins. Ooh, you know? Yeah, I mean, I got to eat a lot of calories to even try to maintain this. Yeah. Way, like, I mean, I like thousand calorie lunch. But the other thing, it's cool if you make your own mash. You can you can kind of make it as big or as small as you want. Mm-hmm. You can and Stan, in efforts to make it, you know, render it more digestible. He puts uh, bone broth in there, and there's some beef tallow, so you can kind of control what's going in there a little bit better. Sometimes I'll use really I'll use like ninety six four ground beef that's got a little bit less fat, a little bit more protein. Um, like a pound of this stuff is like a hundred grams of protein. You know, it's like twelve grams of fat, hundred grams of protein. You know, five hundred sixty calories. So you know, you do do that a couple hundred grams of rice and. It's delicious. Yeah, we cooked it with um, bell peppers last night. Yeah, add, just add something different because I've been having monster mash so much. It's just a little, like, f- oh, little flavor, it up. little, little yeah. palate fatigue. A little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I you've been it doing so what? Well, you've been doing egg egg yolks and oatmeal and stuff like that. Uh, I've been putting. Uh, well, I've done stuff like that before too, but a lot. I've been doing a lot of egg yolks lately. Yeah, just putting them right on, like using it like butter. You know, putting it on like uh, ground beef and putting it on steaks and. Um, throwing it in my, uh, it looks really disgusting when you throw it in like crock pot meat, but it fucking tastes awesome. Danny Vega has, do, has been doing that for a while, just taking a hot bowl of meat and then just mm-hmm. cracking a couple of yolks oh, in there yeah. and just yeah. kind of swirling it up. Yeah. And I think it kind of gets like, it cooks, yeah. kind of cooks itself and kind of coagulates right. and makes right. a little sauce. That looks kind of tasty. The egg whites aren't great when they're like that because they're not like, they're not all the way cooked. Yeah. But the yolks are fucking delicious. Yeah. Get some really big good. ass like duck yolks or something like that. And do you yeah. separate the yolks? Do I? Yeah. Oh, uh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I just heave ho the egg white. <laughs> okay. You know, I feel bad <laughs> about doing it. I'm like, oh, like, there's protein like literally down the drain. Uh, this, 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 this is gone. Um, See ya. <laughs> but from you know having uh, uh, Saladino on the podcast, and he was saying you can eat the whole egg raw. Mm-hmm. He just says it doesn't really taste very good. And then he also just mentioned that I guess the uh, the egg white can like rob your body of biotin or something like that. So I was just like, ah, it doesn't taste good. And it's See ya. taking vitamins away from me. So fuck it. You know, what's funny is when we make, when we make fresh pasta, when we use eggs, um, we literally just treat egg whites like water. Yeah. So instead of like when you make, uh, when you make sheeted pasta, when you make, um, or, or rolled pasta, mm-hmm. like uh, any noodle, a really good bite is typically just egg yolk and flour. But when you make like ravioli or, um, you know, annulotti or capoletti or any of that stuff, you got to have a little bit more pliability of the dough. So some people will put water in and we'll just start using egg, we'll just use egg whites. So we use egg whites in replace of water because kind of adds a little bit more of that elasticity to the dough. It's mm. like it tastes better too. Yeah. So it's interesting that you're like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, fucking, it's like a water. It's like, yeah, it's kind of how we use it in cooking. It's like, yeah, yeah it's just basically like that. But, uh. I, I I eat a ton of egg whites, obviously. I wish I could eat whole yolk. Maybe I'll start eating them now and I'll start sleeping better. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Now, I remember when I when I was doing low fats to get ready for a show, like 
when I got started getting leaner and low fat, my libido tanked. Everything just sucked. I, I, I can't do low fat and feel good. Like, and I've noticed that, I mean, I don't know the scientific reason for it, but I've noticed a trend on athletes that end up, they're having to diet down and you lower their fat, especially on men. It really starts to affect them when they get into like the 50, 40 range. Yeah. So I just like, if they have to have carbs, I'll just decrease the carbs instead and keep the fats like maybe around 70 or whatever and just yeah. take that hit to the carbs instead. And they, their mood, everything just feels much better. Yeah, I probably need to swap that up a little bit. I, uh, yeah, admittedly, I might be dangerously low. Or you could just shift days. Like, you know, you could do days where you have slightly lower carbs and increase that fat but keep the same calorie intake. That's what Mark was saying. Just oh, kind of yeah. have a couple of days where you just kind of play with it a little bit and move it around. I know that low fat's really bad. Going that low is like not bad, but I guess it has some serious complications for women. Mm, yeah. yeah, when they go, if they get into like that that amount of grams for their body weight, I can be pretty pretty rough. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like it's not rough for me, so maybe I need to change something <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you're you're in Seattle, right? Yeah, you're still going to school stuff like that. Yeah, I just started. Well, I just got into grad school for construction management. Finished Let's up, see. finished up my bachelor's degree in landscape architecture, and did a minor in architecture. Congrats! Yeah, thanks. It's been it's been a That's lot of awesome. fun. I started working as an apprentice carpenter for a high-end contractor and just to get some field experience honestly just trying to kind of emulate what he did kind of start learn the process from the beginning um hands-on and hopefully moving towards the office side of things to learn the structure of management and he echoes this a lot to me too is becoming a great manager you have to you have to learn that from somewhere so that's just kind of what i'm i'm trying to do and being a leader is something that you know i was like a captain football and that stuff and i feel like i'm a natural leader in, in a lot of ways, but it's something that I definitely need a lot of development in. But yeah, that's what I'm kind of up to. Gotta be a savage to wake up at five every morning and go work out, and then go put yeah. construction bags on and swing a hammer all day, and then go sit in a classroom. Did you mention to me that you work with your dad? Um, well, we're doing some side projects just on our, oh, our property, okay. doing some some cabin but work. He's been in the construction business for forty years. Ever, yeah, basically. yeah. He, he can't even get in the union at the age of my, our dad entered. Our dad's, you know. Boots on every day for for forty years in Seattle. Con- oh, yeah. Concrete guy, just been pouring concrete and building building suspension bridges our whole life. Yeah, heavy heavy civil construction is pretty brutal, especially what it's kind of done to his body. He just got out of uh, hip replacement and he's been using Mind Bullet yeah. as a pain oh, management. Awesome. Chris, he, he, uh, great. When Chris was down in Austin, uh, we had a uh, we had a little consult with my dad. <laughs> Chris was like, "Ah, oh, here's what you're gonna need to do. Here's how's gonna happen." Da, 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 da. Oh, that's cool. And he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "I'll send you home with some mind bullet." My dad just swears by it. He loves oh, that's it. Great. He loves that's it. Great. He's Does like he... a, he's like a poster child for it. He's like, "I want to fly Chris up. Come <laughs> hang out." And I'm like, "Dad, I don't think Chris is gonna come hang out." With these <laughs> <dudes."> <laughs> like, that's great. Um, but yeah, he loves it. He said he says three or four of them in the morning, and he's just like you know four days off of you know hip surgery, just walking around, hanging out, feeling wow. good. Yeah, man. We were doing demo the day before yeah. i came up here and he's just rocking some mind bullet out there cutting stuff up and that's how the guy rock how the guy rolls man my that's sister great. and i were you know we were tearing apart this roof and you know my dad's out there picking up the cedar shaker and wheelbarrows and he just got a hip replacement done wow you know and yeah. he's he's a beast is he still lifting too he's big into uh yoga he's a big yoga guy big but yoga guy. working on his movement there you go yeah i mean he He's been doing years and years of lifting. I think he just is like me, and he just wants to do things he enjoys. Right. Yeah. I think he might have gotten sick of training. I bet. You know, like I think he just trained and trained and trained, and I think he, I think he rode himself pretty hard when he was training for marathons and stuff like that. Mm. And I think he just got to the point where nothing really felt good. I think his body kind of started to go on him a little bit, and he did. It. I think he, 
tore his rotator cuff, Shit. no surgery, just kind of like rehabbed it, had a hip replacement. Um, but I mean, the guy's 60 years old. He still has handstand pushups with a torn rotator cuff. Yeah. I mean, I go home so, I'm like, yeah, hey, dad, I mean, he's, wow. he's still kind of a savage. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. uh, he just, he doesn't like, he's not going to go bang a bunch of plates around in the gym anymore. But I mean, there was a time for sure. Does your mom still lift? Every day. Yeah. Oh, every, still every, 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 every time we, uh, every time we try to shit talk our mom for not doing something, she'll just look at us and be like, Hey, I've been doing this every day for 30 years. So <laughs> why don't you just back up? Like, All right. Whatever you want, mom. She's a, uh, she's a savage. Puts you in your place. Yeah. She's, oh, yeah. she's the original lifter in the family for sure. Yeah. How are you guys going to reunite? You guys got to get back together. Sounds like you guys are super close. Got to get him to come down to Austin, but he's probably not going to. I'll probably. Well, you know, we'll I've, I've got out. a couple of things going on. It's not like I'm exactly free every day. <laughs> you know, I've got grad school and work, and I'm working on some side projects and yeah. trying to study abroad. Ooh. But I'm also, you know, trying to keep up with this guy in the gym so I don't look like a fool, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to get down there in, in August and make some time to do, do some more brother time. I think we try and do either he comes up to Washington or I go down once a month, or we meet up in – California and have some oh, fun cool. together. So yeah, last time we were last time we met up, I think we were in LA. We try to get together and train and work out and do that kind of stuff. It's all good though. Yeah, it's great. Just like you and your brother. Yeah, you got you guys. You're lucky. You get to train every day. Any other siblings? We got a sister. Yeah, our sister. Uh, she when we did Chris's podcast, she was extraordinarily uh, disgruntled that we didn't mention her. <laughs> and this is this is a she was hey, this this is a true story. This is a yeah, true story. You guys up. Hey, this is a true story. So we have a middle sister. We're on a family chat and she goes, Hey, great job on the podcast. Loved every minute of it. Love the fact that you guys didn't mention me. <laughs> and, and my response in our family group text was, we only mention people in the, on, on podcasts that can back squat their body weight. <laughs> and, cool. at no, and at no exaggeration, my sister walked out to the gym that we have at our house, loaded the bar up with, you know, with, with well, I walked, I was, we were FaceTiming my brother in. And I was like, Kelby, we got we got to go do this. Or, you know, we can't we can't mention you. And she was like, Let's go. We go out there, and you know, she probably weighs like one thirty something. She's throwing plates. She threw out one thirty five. No warm up. No warm up. Just no hit it. Just boom. So good Knocked for her. So Kelby, we love you. Hope you're listening. <laughs> good job squatting your body now weight. Now she gets mentioned <laughs> yeah, on podcasts. Now you get mentioned on podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, she she's awesome. She uh, she trains every day too. She uh, jack programs for her every day, yeah. and uh, she does like kind of a little. It's like uh, it's almost CrossFit it's, it's like it's like boot yeah it's like CrossFit boot camp. Well, she she loves to go hard. She loves a good challenge, and uh, you know she's just like me. She wants to enjoy the things she's doing, or she's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So we take you know whatever her favorite exercises are, program those up into some terrible numbers, and I set her set her loose, and she has a good time with it. So awesome. I don't like doing the things that I like to. I only like to do the things I suck. So at. he's the exact opposite. Yeah, but. But yeah, we got another sister. Uh, Matt said you've been a, you've been a huge fan of mine for a long time. You got any questions now that we're here? Yeah, face man. To face what you got, dude? Questions on when, training. <laughs> when, uh, how big of a disappointment am I in person? Just let everybody know. That's that's not a. He told me. <laughs> hey, he told me. Hey, he told me a while ago. He said he said he was following you when uh, I'm a lot shorter in person, right? <laughs> he said he was following you when your website used to be howmuchyoubench.net. That's right. Yeah, how much you bench? <laughs> how much you bench.net? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I. My Long way back. My piloting thing, I just blew myself up. But what kept me really interested. Did you interested, ever compete? You ever get on the platform? No. I, you know, I was training. I was training for it. And I hurt myself in prep for it and Jeez. got super discouraged. But what really kept me interested in you is um, how how mobile you are in the space and how encourage, 
encouraging you are to people and to just keep going after things and to do little things every day and doesn't have to you don't have to you know deadlift 600 pounds you know to to be in the gym i mean your message is great um and i've loved it the whole time you know just get in the gym put in the work you know and i've 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 loved your products you know thank you the 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 slingshot helped me accomplish my goal of benching 405 and now my goal is to you know get off the flat bench hit 405 and do a freestanding handstand push-up that's like the next thing i want to do um in in terms of in terms of questions for you you know i don't know i mean i'd love to emulate kind of what you do if i come to the gym and own a gym and you know do that for a lifestyle that would be probably the coolest thing ever yeah in my opinion i mean having a gym is it's fun you know having this uh this environment um you know it's it's fun to come to work every day it's fun to come into this building every day and um <clears throat> this is an unconventional style of gym since it's like free and everything so it's uh it's it's definitely it's definitely different. The business model is to like lose money, right? <laughs> uh, that's definitely a little different, but it's, um, it's great, you know, having, having people here that, uh, that want to help out people here have common goals. You know, everybody here wants, there's not, no one's here like, uh, being all grumpy and not helping each other out. And you know, the, the men and women that train here might look a certain way, but the second you ask them a question, they'll, they'll pop right into uh, you know, wanting to help you out. So it, it's really cool from that perspective. And I think any gym owner, um, especially that owns like a box gym or kind of a smaller gym probably has a similar, a similar feel. You mentioned Matt, you know, feeling like just a good connection with, uh, all the people that work here. Cause everyone's like right on top of you guys when you walked in and yeah, stuff. And man, that's, it's contagious. Yeah. Why not? Why not be that way? Just why not be positive? Why not be fun? You know? I think that's what makes a gym like the gym, yeah. the gym that I train at back home, CrossFit Jakaru. <clears throat> I mean, I was, uh, I traveled, I traveled when we started opening these restaurants, I traveled 185 days one year, 185 days, Yeah, you know, that's insane. <laughs> and, uh, lie, yeah. so that's, so the reason I started CrossFit was because of my, you know, I basically started following CrossFit.com. Then when I got off the road, after we kind of got done with this crazy growth, I was like, I got to join a gym, man. I, if I never did another CrossFit workout for the rest of my life, I would probably still go to the gym that I go to because the community of people there, the coaches, uh, the people we get to interact with every day, it actually reminds me a lot of here. Just, oh, cool. just how amazing the, just everybody's is super genuine. The community is amazing. You can just tell like everybody out there respects each other. They take good care of each other. Everybody seems like they look out for one another. There's a general care for things. Mm. Um, that's exactly how our community is back in Austin. I mean, I, it, there's so many people that our, our gym's done a really good job back home of, uh, they have a lot of notoriety. It's, it's a very competitive gym. So a lot of people come to drop in and take, take class there. But I think what most people find isn't that the athletes there are so remarkable or that the programming is so over the top. It's just that the people there are really genuine, the people there really care. And then they find a community of people that just, you know, want to eat good, look good and be jacked and, you know, train hard. And then it's all, all of a sudden it's all kind of fun, you know? So it's great. It's kind of like here. Cool. Over here. Anything else, Andrew? Um, really quick. You, uh, in and out, it's like a religion for me, yeah. and people oh, yeah. people know that, so they they see that I'm like vulnerable yeah, at times. Questions, isn't he? Exactly. Uh, Got to eat them when they're hot, or they're done. Well, yep. People like yeah, it's true. it's like it's become like the cool thing to bag on In and Out, especially right in front of me. But you had said every other restaurant tries to buy the the potatoes that they have like a monopoly on, right? Uh, I want to be really clear. I work <laughs> I work for I work for Hop Dotty Burger Bar out of Austin, Texas, right? Which I do love, by the way. Okay. Um, I would probably get a Hop Dottie tattoo if I could. I love Hop Dottie, but let me be explicitly clear. I have been in the fine dining industry 
I've been in the casual dining industry. I've been in the fast casual industry. I've been in the cocktail bar industry. Um, in and out Burger is an upper echelon pinnacle, uh, glistening example of excellence in regard to restaurant operations. Everything that they do from their design to the socio, um, like psychological studies that go on for how people enter their building, how they go into the queuing line, where they wait, where they pick their food up, the minimalist approach that they have, they stay in their lane, they do what they do and they execute every single day. They pay their people really well. They give their employees five, you know, um, you know, more minimum wage. They give their employees paid time off, four hundred one k's. Andrew's like, yeah. They have they have they have four things on the menu. They have three flavors of shakes. Um, their places are built right. Their places are built easy to clean. I mean, if you look in their kitchen, it's like that's where the napkin goes. That's where the French fry goes. That's the bin that the French fry bin comes out of and goes into there. I mean, everything is a science in there. You can watch their kitchen ramp up as they get busier. Dudes will start punching fries. That's not for show. That's because they want their product that fresh. Like you're in a drive-in and you're seeing dudes punching fries. I mean, it's a symphony in there. I think that they are among the best operators in the business. They do what they do. They don't change. Yesterday was, or two days ago was national, um, like ice cream cream day day? did you know every other burger restaurant and burger chain around advertising the hell out of oh we've got this what did it not do nothing you want to know why they They don't don't care because there's a because there's a friggin line at every single in and out at (laughs) noon in every place that they're in you know i think i couldn't say enough good things about in and out now i don't know I don't know how they treat their people at the executive level. I don't know what their company morals are. I don't know any of that. But what I can tell you is from an outside observation, um, those guys do it right. Question real quick to uh, add on this. Have you had, you've had In-N-Out Burger, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Have you had Five Guys Burger? Oh, yeah. Which one's better in your opinion? Oh, In-N-Out. Not even close. Are you serious? Not even close. How is it? Thank you. Wow. I'm sorry, man. See what I mean? This, this is I, I like got to deal with this stuff all the time, though. Yeah. But Five Guys tastes so much better. It's like you I got so? a target I think on it my back. So much better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, my boys, my boys nodding. Five Guys, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I think that, uh, but but here's the other thing. I'm a thin patty guy. Mm. I like thin patties. Okay. And I think In and Out does something in their seasoning. In and Out to me has the, has has a trifecta of delicious in America. <laughs> they have sugary buns. Okay, they have. Iceberg lettuce, which provides the crunch, and they have American cheese. If you put those three things on a burger, it's pretty hard to mess up. Mm. And the fact that they slather it in that special sauce, which God knows what kind of pixie dust unicorn tears is in that. <laughs> it's freaking delicious. That shit's good, man. It's really good. I, I, yeah. You throw, a vat, throw me a vat of that, I'd probably eat my way out. <laughs> yeah. That stuff's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so I think, uh, I think Five Guys is a little more, okay, biggest problem with Five Guys, I probably shouldn't be saying this. Biggest problem with Five Guys, what's with the tinfoil wrapping? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, like weird. by the time you burger, you, by the time you get your burger, the whole thing's steamed out, and it's like it's going to break apart in your hand. Like I picked the burger up, my fingerprints go all the way through the bun, and next thing you know, I'm holding patty. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, this is a really great experience, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and then the the paper bag that you get is just always yeah. just looks gross and greasy. Yeah, I think In and Out, In, in and Out. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an In and Out fan. Same. Five Guys does does do a nice job. Okay. Um, I like the, the thing fit, thing I like about Five Guys is uh, when you walk in, you can see where their potatoes came from. That's pretty cool. Whether like mm. your potatoes from, you know, Idaho today, potatoes from Washington, or whatever it is. And I like the size fry they cut. Pretty thick. Yep. Yeah. Mm. 
Hmm. Okay. In and out's better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch y'all later.